Welcome to Avowedcast, the fan community podcast for Obsidian Entertainment's future RPG game titled Avowed. This podcast is for fans by fans. We are not affiliated with Obsidian in any way, but would gladly defend them if they botched a major release due to a quote-unquote a damn clerical error. Uh, on today's podcast, we give our thoughts about Josh Sawyer's new game, Pentiment. We've played it. We have some thoughts. The first hour of the episode is spoiler-free. We promise. We don't give anything away. Later on in the podcast, maybe an hour and a half in or an hour in, we'll warn you when we switch to the spoiler cast mode. Uh, we'll give you plenty of warning, so go ahead and give us a listen and hear what we have to say if you're thinking about playing or if you've already played and want to hear some of our thoughts. There's a lot of ways to get interested in history. If you're not really interested in reading about history, I don't think that history would make a bad uh, historical settings would be cool for RPGs. I still hope that someday I can work on a historical RPG because uh, it's kind of been something I wanted to do for my entire career. And I hope if I don't, if I'm not able to do it, I hope I can at least play some more because some of the best times I've ever had are playing historical games. All right. Welcome, everybody. Um, we're talking about Pentiment today, uh, Josh Sawyer's new game, and it's been out for a little while. We've we've played it. We want to share our impressions. But before we do that, let's kind of go around the horn here and see what everybody's been doing and what everybody's been playing. Uh, if you have been playing, uh, Kiwi, I'll start with you. Have you been playing any games lately other than Pentiment? Mm, well, I play... Well, still, I play World of Warcraft, the classic Wrath of the Lich King with my guild. We raid once a week, the guild raid, and that's about it. Yeah. And when I, when I can, I've been writing my book. But yeah, haven't been playing much, much outside Pentiment lately. All right. Um, Gingerino, what have uh, what you been doing? Um... Sticking in the Obsidian realm, I actually started playing Grounded recently. Picked it up a, a few weeks ago, and I got my brother and one of my friends playing it. So I've been tromping around in the backyard. Originally, I just got it because I'm like, well, it's something to play, and it's by Obsidian, so I got to at least check it out, right? You know? Turns out, actually, really fun. Uh, it's a super fun game, and I'm gonna try to rope all of you into playing it sometime. <laughs> I'm ready. I I haven't heard any real harsh negative criticism of it yet, actually. That, so that's what got me to go for it because I don't really like survival crafting games. Like it's just not my thing. But everybody, everybody and their cat were like, "Nah, dude, this game does it right." And I, I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe it's just some like obsidian element, but. I love Grounded. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot to explore. There's a lot to strive for if you're not just there for the crafting. And I like the way that uh, a lot of crafting games do this, that like you don't need to all be logged in at the same time. So like uh, if me and my brother and my friend are, are wanting to play, but not all of us can make it, well, they don't have to join in. They can just jump in whenever they want because it's uh, saved on the server, I guess. So it doesn't even need to have the host on it. It's been... It's been really great, and it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend giving it a shot if you've ever even considered playing a survival crafting game. It's a genius idea. It's kind of like, and I don't really, I'm sure there's other games that do it, but I'm not aware of many. It's kind of like a persistent world uh, that you can kind of come back and revisit. I guess uh, this would be a horrible comparison, but like if you... Um, 
we're sharing an Animal Crossing world, you know, or something like that. And people could pop in, you could go in together. Not the best example, but it, just that persistent nature of the, uh, as you were talking, that we could all play one night, but then the next night I could come and, and work on the housing part of it a little bit and, you know, go get some resources for everyone. And that's genius. I mean, I just can't, I can't imagine, I can't think of any other games that do it that, to the effect that you said. I mean, to me, that's, that's the perfect way to handle uh, online play. I, it yeah I lo- that aspect for me made it super casual because otherwise you have to like herd cattle to get together like all right is the guy who hosting the save file gonna be on tonight but it's like not you don't need one person to host a save file they can all do it anyone can jump on whatever they want it's yeah it, it's a lot of fun and it's got like obsidian touches to it as well I feel like they really sold the backyard as a setting because um I think I heard someone else say it somewhere else you know another developer could have just like laid down a dirt texture on the ground and called it a day but they did a really good job of making it feel like you're actually small like the ground is bumpy and not smooth at all everywhere that you're walking your walking animation is smooth though it doesn't ruin the gameplay but you feel like you're actually small and tiny in a real backyard that's just yeah and the spiders are terrifying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they also tell an obsidian level story in that game, which I really love. Uh, I, I won't even oh, yeah. uh, spoil it for anybody, but it pays off in the end. It's really good. It's great. And you can miss it, too. You can 100% miss the story. So if you're just someone who wants to goof around, you can do that. But if you want to pay attention, it's there for you. Now, how does it... I don't want to spend too much time on this, but how does it handle story bits with this persistent save kind of that you're talking about? So, like, if you log in and play for six hours one night and progress the story how does it tell the other people who log in later that that has happened it doesn't uh, the story is told through yeah it doesn't well it's kind of told through pickups right like the little audio files mm-hmm. um so if i jump on and i did progress the story in the sense of uh, picking up those audio files i believe you would have access to them in the data tab so you'd be able to like still read that if there's any cutscenes. Um, the next time you log in solo, they'll play for you, so that way you can have those. <clears throat> As for, like, um, the actual progress of, like, getting to the next place and flipping the switch that does the thing, that part stays. Like, you aren't there for that, so you would miss that. But, I mean, that's just something you talk to your fellow players about first. Be like, hey, don't go to this area and do this thing. And it's very obvious. Like, you can't accidentally progress the story. If you're in a place where you're not supposed to be, you know it. I was just going to say that it's also 100% your choice, as in it's not default shared world. You can have a – like I can have my own world, and I can also create a shared world that I share with my friends. So in my in my world, uh, some someone can come in in the middle of it, um, but they won't be able to come in uh, unless I'm there. But I can also create that shared world where all of us can do it whenever. So it's, it's completely up to the player. It's I was going to say, it's almost like they should have some sort of note-taking feature or some way for you to uh, leave information for your fellow players. I think I have now have thought of the perfect example of what, what this the save style is. It's really Minecraft, right? So you can create those worlds in Minecraft. You can leave and your friends can log into your server and and make changes and so that's just cool i love that so we'll, we'll put we'll put that to bed Rimmerin, what have you been what have you been up to 
Whew, I I finished a lot of games last month. Oh, well, three games. I finished Persona 5. I finished God of War Ragnarok, and I finished Pentiment. Persona 5 being the longest. That I love the game, but it's too long. I, I think it was like 84 hours for... And I just went through the, the story. I just went through the story. Too long. I loved it, and I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna try to play Persona Four and Three when they hit Game Pass next month. Wow, January is next month. Uh, but yeah, it, it was good and worth it. Like it, it, with a question mark. <laughs> That's how I felt about Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It. Uh, I got to a certain point in there where I'm like, all right, uh, this is taking way too long. So, I, I get it. Um, so what did you, what was your impression? Are you happy with, uh, God of War? Uh, I, I was talking to my brother about this yesterday. I think I'd give it an eight. I loved the story. I loved the big set pieces. Like Microsoft doesn't do set pieces like, like Sony does with, you know, last of us and God of War. Some of the, the, the set pieces were <laughs> yep. amazing, but at the same time, the pacing I think was awful. There's like this one part where you are basically, it's almost like a love scene that lasts three hours. Not like a, like a love, love scene. It's like <laughs> a, a, you, you, their whole, their whole burgeoning relationship in like three hours. And there's like barely any fighting. And I'm, I, it was just bad. It and includes then the, combat, the foreplay and the pillow talk. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I haven't the, beaten the it com- yet. So I have no idea what you're talking about. <clears throat> the combat was good, but sometimes it felt like, like, because they, they they don't make any cuts camera wise, it follows the Kratos the entire time. You would go do a thing, it would be epic, but then you'd have to walk back to the beginning uh, because it doesn't cut the camera. Um, and there'd be like three or four fights in between, and I'm just like, oh, dude, like I just fought this awesome boss, and you're making me fight three packs of monsters before I get back to moving on with the story. I know people are gonna are gonna disagree with me on that, but I just think that. They should just stop using that cam that that camera for the next one. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard a lot about it. I've read lots of reviews. It, it seems to be. I mean, obviously, most people are 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 super complimentary about it. Uh, love every ask about it. But it's always like the ones that I'm reading that say that. There's always that, but. <laughs> there's always that <laughs> i read it and they're like oh 10 out of 10 best game of the year but this is <laughs> what i would you know yeah yeah so uh, it's obviously gonna be up for game of the year but i i personally think elden ring should get it because oh, yeah. it's no El- elden ring should get it for i sure. agree i've been playing yep. god of war it's great but elden ring deserves it 100 percent. yeah i just it's so different and it's so unique and it's uh it kind of captivated the world and this is just another god of war game i mean yeah it's fantastic i'm sure but it's just another of the same game um all right so uh parenthesis you're up what what have you been doing so uh i have been playing inscription and completed it it's good but you can't really talk about inscription so i'll be talking about what i read instead and i have been reading but not finished the historical fantasy book on stranger tides which, by Ron Gilbert's own admission, admission, is one half of the inspiration behind the secret of Monkey Island. And that is a really interesting experience from someone who can basically replay the entirety of, of at least the first trilogy in his head. And it's sort of like, oh, 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 so that's where that's from. That's how they got the inspiration for that part of, of Monkey Island. 
and it's it's I mean on Stranger Tides is a I say somewhat. I mean they're fantastic elements, but it presents it all seriously. And then Monkey Island is this combined with the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland, and it sort of just makes sense in your head. Yeah, I can see where this came from. Now now that character makes sense. This this is what they want to do with them. Wow, I, I'm that's it's very uh, interesting that you mentioned that because um, uh, what I've been playing, I've obviously been playing Dreamlight Valley because I'm just addicted to games like that. But I have started Return to Monkey Island, the updated uh, thing that they put up on Xbox Game Pass, and I'm I don't know how far I'm into it, probably seven hours. I don't know, six or seven hours. Uh, it was fantastic, of course. But now that you mentioned that, uh, it's like, whoa, I got to totally pick this up and read this because that's very appropriate to what I'm doing right now. And I did go through and play the game uh, back when it was originally uh, released, uh, or games. But I don't remember when it was 90s or whenever. Um, so, yeah, it's it's super cool. I love the game, the one that they, they've just re-released uh, with all the perks and everything and the better graphics. Uh it's it's super cool uh great great set of stuff all right so let's move on to what we're talking about today um just uh heads up for people uh we're going to have a non-spoiler conversation about pentiment so if you haven't played the game if you uh are curious about it or you've only played a little bit of it um the talk that we're going to have right now is not going to include any plot points we're not going to talk about the ending we're not going to give anything key away we're going to talk about the game. I mean, pretty much everything you've seen in the trailer we'll probably hit on here. Um, and then later, I'll let you know, as a listener, uh, we will switch to a spoiler cast uh, where we will talk about those kind of things. But that's much later, so stick with us. We're going to talk about the game in general and not release any spoilers for you right now. Um, the game Pentiment, if you're, you, I guess everybody's listening is familiar with it, but um, in general, it's a narrative. It's like a living narrative world inspired by illuminated manuscripts and painted woodcuts in a time when Europe was at a crossroads of great religious and political change. It really is a, a narrative adventure game. It's set in 16th century Barovia, which is part of the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, and uh, you play a character named Andreas Moller, uh, who is an artist working at the Benedictine Abbey he gets involved in a series of murders and scandals and tries to unravel them over like a 25-year period. It's basically, I don't want to boil it down too much, but it is kind of a point-and-click style adventure that kind of shares the DNA with games like Disco Elysium, Incaluminati, Oxenfree, I'm trying to think of some others. Uh, Pillars of the Earth is kind of like that. Uh, Monkey Island, which I've been playing, is a little bit like that. Uh, Broken Age, Ace Attorney, um, I don't know, uh, Valiant Hearts is kind of like that. So there's some games that kind of share the DNA, but I think this one in particular is kind of itched out its own little area uh, because of the way it does things. Um, and we talked in a previous podcast, if you want to go back and listen to it, where we kind of talked about the history behind this, um, how this is kind of early modern uh, Bavaria are uh, dealing with the Reformation, Martin Luther's works, and there's something particularly called the, the German Peasants' War. Um, it specifically in the game refers to the Twelve Articles, which details this peasant's revolt against social, economic, and religious demands in kind of 1524. 
<clears throat> so that's kind of what it's about. Um, and I don't want to spend any more time talking about that. But I do want to jump in and talk real quick before we share your thoughts. I want to talk about how it's being received, which I've been kind of surprised about. So the Pentiment reviews have been out for several weeks. It has an 86 Metacritic score. User score is 7.3, which is really good for a game like this. Uh, there are quite a few gaming journalism outlets who have given it a perfect score, either a full 100 or a 10 out of 10. Um, that includes IGN, Windows Central, VG247, EGM, uh, CG Magazine, Xbox Hub, Xbox Addict, Well Played. Uh, there's lots There's lots of them out there who have given it a perfect score. It seems like there's really only one high-profile outlet that has slammed it, and that is GameSpot, who gave it a 6 out of 10. But haters are going to hate, so, you know, <laughs> what are you going to say? Uh but uh, you know it's it's been well received. Uh, some of the positive com- yeah some of the positive comments that we've heard, uh, and these are just taken out directly out of their uh, reviews. Um, a masterwork, brilliant complex medieval thriller, uh, utterly addictive, uh, perfect jaunt through imperfect history. Someone said it's the most interesting game I played in 2022. Quiet, contemplative, intelligent. Those are some of the, the terms used for the game. It's an important step forward in its genre. It is filled with intelligence and heart. It's a vibrant adventure that fully embraces its time period and artistic style. So, people like it. Um, and I think for today's uh, purpose, we're, we're going to kind of run through some of the key things and we'll talk about them point by point. Some of the things we're going to hit on is uh, the graphics, the music and sound, writing and dialogue, interface, engagement, uniqueness, game length, uh, difficulty challenge, and then we'll give it an overall rating before we move into the spoiler part of this podcast. So all of this is non-spoiler. So... I guess the first one we'll start out with, um, instead of going with general impressions, which we'll kind of hit on at the end, is let's talk about the graphics. Let's talk about the visual art style, uh, the the animations that are used. Um, again, I mentioned that this is kind of that um, woodcut uh, uh, illustrators from a scriptorium style, taking those old painted manuscripts and and kind of bringing them to life for us with the animation style, which you could see if you see the trailer or if you played a little of the game. So does anybody want to step in um, and, and tell me their impressions of the art? Did, you know, was it, did it start out being, oh, this is great. Did it become annoying? Did you, what parts mm. of it did you like? Yeah. Um, it's what I've been stressing a lot in the previous podcast about the art style. Like you don't need good graphics for the for a game. If if uh, if you need some like Nvidia four thousand graphics card to run a game, so it looks good, your game actually looks it. But yeah, I appreciate. I, I really like the art style. It's uh, it really brings character to the game. If it looked more photorealistic, I I don't think it would have been so interesting. Um. So Remoran, what did you think of it? I think the. Well, I loved it first of all, but I think what really brought it home for me is the little touches, the little details, like having the, the, the younger people have a slightly different art style than the older people, or 
the 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 way that the text is different depending on Andreas's like interpretation of who this person is. Um, I think in in I think in the, in the first act there's there's uh, an Ethiopian priest if I believe, and he's like he's like completely different art style than everybody else because of 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 where he comes from, and I just think that just really just made it just that much better for me. 10 out of 10 in terms of, uh, in terms of art style. Yeah. You mentioned the, the fonts and that for me, was something that stood out. I thought that was incredible how, since there's no voice acting in the game at all, um, they really kind of, uh, pushed in on the text. And, um, like you said, uh, fonts would kind of imply things like uh, social and economic standing, emotion, uh, education of the characters, uh, Different characters basically use different fonts. Uh, the kids obviously had different fonts. The peasants uh, and the uh, church leadership, they had different fonts. Um, what a genius way to handle it. I mean, I think that is so cool. I like how all the religious people had the hardest yeah. to read fonts because you're like, I don't like talking to these people. I wonder if that's what Josh <laughs> Sawyer wanted to do on purpose. <laughs> yeah, a quick poll. Who used the historical fonts also? And I, I use those. It, it took some time to getting used to those weird Fs and Gs and Ss and Rs, but I got past it. Yeah, it you was it was it hard at the beginning. I agree. It was a little challenging, but I, I, I was curious. Is it, did anybody in here want to admit that they switched to the other? The, the, you can that. switch it to like basic fonts. I did I did that for so I played the whole first act with without doing it then I played the second act with doing it and then I was like I feel like such a chump and then the third act I I put it back to the <laughs> the original You get good script come on Yeah I I just I don't know I mean but so it, so these are kind of I don't want to say the term stick figure but these are two dimensional um representations of people so Parenthesis, how did the art style bring them to life in your mind? Like, how did it make them look alive, even though basically we're looking at like a two-dimensional flat person? Well, well first of all, about the graphic style, I'd say that in, in a strange way, it actually helped me be immersed in the game because, of course, the early, early modern ages looked like, well, like it, like it does now, it's reality. But... The way we used to think about the, that time is how the oh, some people. When I think of about early 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 modern times, I think of that kind of of, uh, of art style, and so my mind went into kind of a shift when I saw it. When I when I kept playing it for hours, and and that way I was immersed in it. Um, but as as far as, as animation goes, it's an interesting mix, I think, of, of 3D heads and kind of uh, what appears to be 2D animation of, with the limbs, where they're kind of uh, sometimes twining more or less elegantly. Yeah, yeah, and I and I thought that uh, I'm the same with you, and that you know that early modern. It's attractive to me already. I kind of like uh, like that style, and and being an English major in college, you know, and studying uh, that period of time and the text from that period of time, and uh, you know, I I think it's super cool. So I was already kind of engaged and drawn to it, and then them bringing it to life and little things like. Um, 
Fire, for example. I thought they did a brilliant job with fire. Even candlelight versus a building catching on fire, the animation and the graphics of that kind of brought this thing to life. And it, you know, the glow emanating from it and the flickering is still there, even though this is not really a full, you know, 3D animated scene. It, it gives you that that perspective that 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 life and for me my favorite thing about the animation absolutely is just seeing people seeing people react like like their their mannerisms their their behavior their the way that they showed emotion the way that they showed anger the way that they showed um being relaxed and calm the, the facial animations in it were incredible. And uh, it really, for me, just kind of brought these characters to life. That, that almost as much as the dialogue, in my opinion, almost as much as the dialogue, I felt the animation of the faces, which I did not expect, um, just really was, was awesome. I mean, I, I just, uh, that I found myself really looking at that. And also the fact that in the game, and this is no spoiler because it's in the trailer, you know, and he talks about this. He talked about this Xbox showcase where you're going to see over the period of 25 years or so, these people grow up, which means there are toddlers at the beginning of the game and you get to see how they grow up uh, through Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. Um, and that's super cool because that speaks to the animation and and as soon as I see them, I, I know who they are. You know, I rem- oh, that's, uh, what's her name? And that's that's just really cool. I mean, I love that. Mm-hmm. Especially if you turn on big head mode, then you could really see the emotion on their face. Big no. head mode. No, not the mode. So man. what about, you know, something else about the graphics that, that stood out to me. Did anybody... How did you feel about the eating lunch and having dinner with the families? I liked it at first, uh, but um, it depends on whom you had lunch with, if it was interesting or not. But I guess I liked the concept a little, but uh, it was decent, I guess. I was the other way around. At first, I was like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> it's not progressing anything. It's very slow. I'm just clicking through stuff. And then after a couple of meals, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's go have lunch with that uh, crazy old lady. I can't wait to see what she's going to say. It was, was kind of <laughs> it was an interesting narrative beat to have. Like It really puts you into the shoes of Andreas in a day-to-day kind of minute-to-minute sense. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. That was one of my favorite things. I loved how it graphically lays out these communal meals and how it was not only period appropriate, but it was status appropriate. If you noticed, like when you would eat at the at the church or in, you know, uh, with one of the nobles, it was very different than when you were eating with the peasants, um, which I, you know, brilliant. And, and the food is period appropriate from what I could see. So it's it's not like they just slapped a burger on the plate. So you're kind of <laughs> you imagine yeah. that they have a Big Mac on the plate. Yeah. yeah. Don't <laughs> don't play the don't play the game when you're hungry. Oh yeah. <laughs> I I mean like they didn't some of the meals did look pretty good. But I mean I guess like the whole thing sells the setting really well and it helps with the character development. I definitely got invested in a lot more of the characters that I spent meals with. 
me, but looking at after I played some of the game, I cared more about those who I spent the time talking with at those meals than the ones I was just using for information. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely helps. I was just going to say that it's it's a it's a per, it purposefully like the purpose of it, right, is to give you some exposition, right? It, it tells you what a bunch of or a group of the townspeople or just one person thinks about the other townspeople or current events. Uh, so it, it follows that purpose, but it also gives you, because it, it's almost like you're in a first-person perspective, it, it puts you in Andreas's shoes, and it 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 kind of like makes you care about, like Gingerino said, uh, about the people that you're talking to as if you were Andreas. Like you definitely felt closer to the ones that you ate with versus like people that you just talked to. Even if I talked to someone like way more. I would have like dinner with someone who I've never spoke to, and then I would suddenly like know exactly who this person is. So I, I thought it was really cool. For me, it's one of the unique parts of the game. It's very hard for you to, even though I mentioned those games at the beginning that it shares DNA with, it's still very difficult to find another game that kind of shares this unique art style. I, 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 I mean, there's really only one or two, and they're they're very low profile and. Um, so I think that's one way that this one stands out. Now, for me, playing a video game, music and sound is at the top of the list. That's like one of the things that I absolutely look for, listen for, love. Um, does anybody have any impressions on that? Did that hit you in any particular way? Did you feel it was period appropriate? Uh, what did you like about it? I, I, the sounds definitely immersed me, and I like, like the choice of not having music. Uh, un unless it was a very important event. Hmm. So music felt a special occasion. You chimed in there, Princess. What are your thoughts? Yeah, wait, well, exactly that. It's it's very musically sparse, but uh, I think it, it helps sell the image of a small uh, alpine town or village. Uh, it's it, they they wouldn't have that much noise uh, there. Simply, it's and not that much possible either. So so that's one of the things that, that helped me immerse myself into the game. I agree. I love the sound effects of the forest. I love the uh, the wind. The uh, the Obviously spent a lot of time, and I think it was intentional, like you said, parenthesis, I think it's intentional for that, that alpine town of that peri early modern period. You know, not you're not going to hear... Uh, a sweeping orchestra, soaring orchestra score <laughs> the whole time. Uh, well, really didn't hear that at all until maybe the credits. But um, you know, so you but you hear instruments appropriate not only to that that early modern period, but appropriate to uh, where you're at. If you're if you're in if you're in the tavern or if you're you're at the abbey you know it's it's a totally different feel totally different sounds and different you know different singing of course and uh different instruments uh so it it, it was cool i liked it i i will say um and i'm just gonna be just gonna admit it right here uh it, it, i i loved it but a middle of act two um i turned it off and I put my headphones on, and I scrolled down my phone and found my favorite uh, video game playlist. And it's kind of terrible that I did that. This is not a critique of the game. I'm just saying. 
it's not a, there's no voices in the game, right? So there is a, uh, there are some 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 sig- not significant but big parts of the game that are pretty quiet and pretty sparse is the word. Uh, so I kind of filled it in myself, which I don't know I don't know if anybody else did that, but no, I never actually did do that, but I could see it happening. I I was fine with how all of it. I kind of liked even the quiet sections because like even when it's quote unquote quiet, there's like a low. A humming or a droning like if you're in the library or in the abbey you can hear like this the, i don't know why that is but it, like added tension in certain places i like that uh, did anyone notice that there was one cow moo sound that made made you think that you have some phone or some other appliance buzzing no, I didn't get. I I did not notice that. I, I I had that like every time I was like around the meadow, I'm like, what keeps buzzing? Yes. <laughs> Andreas pulls out his cell phone. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me take this call real quick. <laughs> Josh is. Gotta, uh, yeah. Yeah, that a boy, Josh. Got to pull up my Google Pixel right here. Just. Uh... Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, Andre, so let's move on. So what we know Obsidian is known for, <laughs> this is their calling card, is story. And uh, obviously we're not going to give away any plot points because this is spoiler free. But uh, you want to give me their impression of the, the writing of the dialogue and and the story in general? Uh, Meh. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's honestly good. Uh dialogue wise i think or some like of course there's choice and consequence but sometimes i feel like it lacked some choices in some situations and i found myself being narrowed down some path but it it's but it was always one of those like side things that not the actual main story I know that everyone here like love the art style and all that kind of stuff, and I liked it too because I've been on the hype train with you guys. But I know I would not have—I don't think I would have enjoyed this game as much had I not hyped up about it beforehand. This is not the typical kind of game I play, and I did enjoy it from what I had. Uh, and in my mind, that just speaks to, from my own personal experience, how good the dialogue and the narrative was, because very quickly into the game. I was invested in what was going on and I looked forward to certain character interactions and actually investigating things, you know, like the things on the side of the road. So I don't know how they do it, but for some reason I always get invested. in. That's interesting that you say that because mine was just the opposite. I was, uh, I wouldn't say I was a good hour in, but I was, I was in, I was in the game for, for a period of time and I was, I was worried. I was like, I'm not, they haven't hooked me yet. Um, and that whole first scene, I was like, WTF, you know, that, that, you know, you know what I'm talking about if, but it's just, I'm like, what, what? And then, um, you know, I I don't know. I, I took a while for me, but when I, when it did hit, when it did hit me and I think it was the animations and the characters getting to see their reactions, their funny faces and their, you know, smirking off to the side. And I started to get the personality of the people instead of just plain flat text and then that's when I got drawn in, and I did get drawn in, and I do love uh, the 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 dialogue. I like the 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 story, the for the most part, um, and I like um, 
the arc uh, of it. Now, parenthesis, I know you you were you're a big story person, um, and you love these kind of games. How did you feel about the writing? I, I found it really interesting because you can see hint of. I mean, Sawyer has already said that. Uh, some of the game's DNA comes from uh, A Night in the Woods. and But I can also see things that comes from, or at least they are shared with, like the uh, games from Choice of Games or Hosted Games, because the fact that in a conversation you can't pick everything, you can't just go down the list one by one and ask them, the game forces you to move forward all the time. It is it is pushing you. Instead of the usual RPG nonsense where you can just, you know, have a checklist and go, yeah, uh, what did you see that night? Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. Uh, oh, by the way, I like that. Uh-huh, okay. Uh, okay, you are exhausted as an NPC. I will now move to the next one. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, classic RPG. And this makes them feel, yeah, at least in my eyes, far more like people than, than, than just, you know, quest uh, bots. That you pump for information. Yeah, my impression is bad. Like because because I actually uh, read the name of the Rose book and then I watched the Andrea Rublev uh, movie before playing the game. I, I of course I found all like all the kinds of references that they put in the game and what uh, the uh, well the things that they were inspired to do from from those and throughout like the first act of the game i was really invested into it but um, my investment in the game became less but we'll get to those points later when we get to the spoiler part uh, but the writing itself i i i i like the writing it's um i i don't think there was many points where i thought like Mm, I don't think this person would say this. I have a question before. Like, did any of you guys replay uh, at least Act One? Yeah, I did. I've, I'm halfway through my second replay. Um, how is how is the writing for you on a second replay? Because I had to replay Act One, and I was I'm not enjoying myself as much the second time. Exactly. Partly, I, the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're you're right on the money there. I, I was telling, uh, I was talking with Princess before we started here about the fact that I, I, I finished it like a week or so ago and decided I was going to go back through with the different, some different choices, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, I, yeah, it's, I, I'm, I would equate it to rereading a good book. Um, I don't feel like I don't, I was not grabbed. I almost found myself in the second playthrough, certain parts of it. Um, Cause I'm in the middle of kind of act two right now, but on the second playthrough, I, I found myself kind of, and I'm embarrassed to say this kind of hitting the a button a bunch because I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is well, not yeah, different. No, you, you just spam it. You just go through in the story. I, I fully agree. I, I, I would almost argue that that points to how good the dialogue actually is because in the first playthrough it's, so satisfying that when you try to do it again, it doesn't hit the same, and so you can feel that difference. Yeah, and you're looking at the game from a different perspective, especially if you finish the entire story. Mm-hmm. You kind of certain certain things that you may have thought were critical or important at the beginning of your first playthrough. You're like, okay, this is bullshit. Um, uh, I'm gonna let him ramble a little bit and then get on to what I really want to look into and choices I really want to make. Because it's a mystery game. Are you playing it uh, 
it kind of defeats the purpose, but I don't know. That's that's just me. Yeah, the story has an ending. Uh, there is an ending. This the ending is the same for everyone. To, for the most part, the ending's the same for everyone. We're not going to mention what the ending is, but <clears throat> it has an ending, and and you are pushed basically. Well, push maybe not be the word. Well, maybe it is. You are pushed towards that point, and you you reach the ending. It's going to be the same if you play it twelve times or if you play it five times. You know, uh, it's like a like I said, like a, a good story or a good book. Um, and uh, a good writer is is crafting this arc right to this one in in some respects that's better uh than something like um detroit become human where there's just a ridiculous number of choices and multiple different endings and that doesn't fit this style of game i don't think so just my opinion all right uh let's move on to um interface which i thought was something that this did an okay job with some interesting stuff that they they used in the game um so thinking about things like features that are are critical to the game user interface interface with the contextual aspects of the game um does anybody want to speak to how that was used in the game and how it was different from some other games yes yeah um i like I can give them credit for trying to make the journal like an actual journal, like but the interface on the journal felt, felt clunky and it was hard to use and slow. But that's my take. Oh yeah, the journal. That's right. I liked that at first how that worked, and then I uh, very quickly got over how how neat it was personally. I played it on Xbox um, and. I think it was even harder to just traverse through the journal uh, using just buttons. Um, and oh, you know, maybe I, that's what it is. Cause yeah, I yeah. was also on console. Yeah. I didn't like it at all. And also, and it, this is going back to my issue with the fonts. Uh, I felt like it was sometimes a little unreadable and I feel like I love the fonts when they're talking to me, I feel like they could have used one of the simpler fonts just for the UI just for those elements of the UI, like the journal elements. But I, I could see them also making the decision that they did. Yeah, but it, it does get a little bit difficult with the buttons uh, for the journal navigating and trying to, like, where the hell is this information I need? I played a lot through my phone without a controller attached just to see how well it handled touch controls. It's one of the better games for Game Pass touch controls out there, by the way. So if, like, if you do... You, not have a controller and you use your phone it's one of the better ones um but so yeah, can the, you actually like touch the ipad screen like if i play it on an ipad i can touch the screen to interact yep there's a but it's not a dumb joystick the at the it's not a joystick at the bottom i'm actually physically touching parts of the screen yeah like you're I, it's like touching the actual screen so that overlays um the interface on top of the game it makes it transparent enough so that it's not getting in the way of the game most of the time i would say my thumbs got in the way more than anything else but yeah like there's a little there's a little buttons and a, a directional pad overlaid onto your actual ipad or iphone screen or whatever it is you're using uh and you just are touching the screen moving the characters that way I get it. I get that there's controls, but what I'm asking is, so I'm in a room and I walk over and one of the stupid eyeballs shows up as to what it wants me to click on. 
am I using the controls on oh, the I iPad or, or to are move, you tapping the, or am I the tapping the eyeball? Which uh, am you're I doing? Touching, you're touching the controls. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I mean, it's still cool. I mean, it's still good that you can play it on a device like that. I do think it translates probably better to something like that. Just my opinion. I played it on PC. I played it on uh, Xbox. Both. There's advantages to both. I, I feel that, that probably it plays a little bit better on a PC if you're able to um, handle sitting... If you're able to handle sitting up straight and reading off a, a screen like that, or you know, if that's your style, I, I did like some aspects though of the uh, of the Xbox, and I really liked the. I did. I, mean, I agree with Kiwi about the um, the journal. It was it was clunky. The map was clunky as hell. Even on the on both sides, I thought it was clunky as hell. It was easier on the PC though. But as far as moving in the game and moving around and stuff like that, I felt that was better on the having a, a, a controller pad. I just enjoyed that better on the Xbox. I mean, it was it was a pain in the ass, to, you know, <laughs> with the mouse. Even though I love point and click games, I play them all the time. I don't know. It kind of got on my nerves after a little bit. So um, I do think that the I will say this thing about the interface. I. I love the fact that it allowed me to explore different aspects by underlining text in the dialogue. I thought that was a nice touch. I mean, how many people are going to take advantage of that? I don't know. I did. I would say my playthrough took, I think it was like 18.5 hours, um, maybe a little longer than that, which is longer than the game. I think the game is only supposed to take, if you just do the main quest, it's like 12 hours, but... My point is I clicked on those things because I wanted to read them, especially in Act 1. Act 3, I kind of ignored them. But Act 1, I was I was clicking on those underlines. I was taking mental notes. I, was, <laughs> yeah. pick, I would go pick up my phone and, and Wikipedia about these different people in history and, um, you know, different situations. So I was, I was learning. I was, it, was, it had me curious enough that I was learning. Did anybody else click on the little underlines? I Constantly. did all the time. Yeah. I... I loved so I I love Pillars of Eternity like one of the my my favorite aspects of it is that keyword system hovering over and do I do that all the time I love it and especially with the context in, in Pillars where you're learning like oh it's it, it allows them to use like a, a word from the Lavalian Republics without worrying whether you know it because you could just hover over it and it tells you what the context is and I think this is like a simple a much simplified version a much more simplified version. But I think it did. It, it had the same purpose, and I loved it so much. And I used it throughout all three acts. I I, I don't like. I think you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like it's it's been a while. But does it does it show when it's a new word? Because like for me, I hate when when something is like when I have like a notification on my phone or something. I have to see the notification so to get it out of the way. And I feel like with the keywords, it had something like that. I swear, I remember. Yeah, um, it was. Um, yeah. it was solid red. If you hadn't looked it up before and then it was dotted underline red when you had looked it up yep so i i looked at all of, all of the words because and i just because i was also curious too and I, I really liked it yeah act one was especially time to do that i thought because you're getting into the story the world especially if you hadn't known a lot about it beforehand so but it, you do after a while i don't know i did the same thing as you sora after a while i was like cool i bet that's interesting i'm gonna keep going now <laughs> That gingerbread cutting game, it was that was also clunky, and at some points you couldn't 
got the pieces you wanted, even though there was drove there. Yeah. Oh yeah. With the mini that games. Yeah, that's the mini game. We, I can say it because it's in one of those videos before the game. Yes, oh. yeah, it is. It is. Um, parenthesis, I know you know we you play these games a lot as well, and uh, so I'm curious as to how you feel about the. I, I know what you said about the dialogue choices, and I agree. I love the fact that it pushes you forward, and that you don't just click A, B, C, and D, um, and it's kind of a pointless interaction. Um, but I'm curious as, as interface wise, what did you, how did you feel about, um, and, and you see this actually in the trailer as well. You'll see one of the dialogues come up and they, they show, uh, I don't know what the, if there's a name for it, but they are, um, the little bubbles that would come up. Uh, they were kind of faded out behind certain parts of dialogue attached to certain parts of dialogue. Um, and they were like, uh, you would click on them. And it was where your your character would then kind of have th thoughts to himself about, oh, oh yeah. maybe this is not the thing I want to do, or maybe this is a good idea. How did you feel about it? Did you feel like you were influenced by that, or did you just never click on those? Uh, I clicked on them a few times, but I felt actually they somewhat seems like a vestigial feature. They, they popped up sometimes at the beginning, and then they sort of just died out. To, uh, as the game went on, um, it feels like like someone was trying to take the the uh, the skill system there from from Disco Elysium, where the skills uh, you have as a character talks to you, and then they just went, well, this is actually too much uh, of a bother. But it it was fine. Uh, I'm not actually you know mad that they didn't implement it fully because it it got the ball running. If if you were it kind of, um, how shall we say, it kind of honed your ability to think in, in yourself into this world because you, you saw the, the, uh, the opinions of, of Andreas's uh, thought, uh, yeah, you know, his, his, his four archetypes and, and that. So, that. so that was good, but it, it, it is not a revolutionary or, for that matter, entirely complete feature in my opinion. I, I feel like that thought bubble feature is exactly what like what parenthesis was saying i think that's actually what it's for i think it's the closest you're going to get to a setting tutorial for people who aren't familiar with it like it it gets you into the mindset of the character but it also like brings forth ideas that you are going to want to consider when playing the game and i think that's why you see it a lot at the beginning it's the closest thing to you that you're going to get as a tutorial that doesn't break immersion for what they were trying to do, in my opinion. I personally loved having it. Because uh, I yeah, had questions like, every now and then. It was like the introduction to the choice and consequence. <laughs> and it, it, when you got, the first time you got that uh, text that this will be remembered, that's, that was kind of haunting. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a way to, I mean, I don't know. This was my interpretation. I felt like it was... Um, it was sort of a security blanket for people who are afraid of making bad choices. Um, and the game is kind of maybe pushing you to one choice over another, which I did not like. Um, I think it's just basically saying, look, here's a critic. You got tons of dialogue you're going through. This one 
is critical. This is a critical point. This will this will make a this choice is going to matter. The other 15 you just made, yeah, they're great, but not that big a deal. But this one, this might actually affect something. And for people like us who play these games all the time, we don't really need that. I wish I could have kind of turned it off, but uh, uh, you just don't click on it. <laughs> yeah, just don't click on it, which is really what happened. And and I had the same experience that you did, parenthesis, and that it kind of it kind of goes away after a while. I, I don't know if it's because I didn't click on it or if that's just part of the design. Did you click on them in your second playthrough? No, hell no. Okay, so because no. you were talking about how they kind of lean you in one direction, so when I played. Act one again. I clicked the thought bubbles, and I clicked the uh, different things that I would think, and it pushes you in the opposite direction. So the little thought bubble always plays devil's advocate with whatever oh, you say to it. Oh, okay. So no matter Fair what, it's. Yeah. I didn't see it that way, but I okay. I, if it's if that's the truth, that's interesting. Um, and at least in my of... experience, it did. I did it through all of Act Act one, and they were always like. Well, I think this thing, and then it would give me a reason to consider something else. I, I don't know if that's like that for every single one, obviously. I like the, I like the Saint Crobian and Beatrice and um, Socrates characters. <laughs> yeah, the, some I, of those I, are pretty I, good. I, I wish, I wish that Andreas would have spent more time with them. Yeah, I was hoping that would be like a regular thing, like every night kind of thing. Yeah, it didn't. You're right. It was really, it was separating acts at, at a certain point. And then, um, I don't know, there's one point in the game where it happens several times in a row. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Those, those were unique. I did not necessarily like it at the beginning of the game. That was what I was talking about. I was like WTF, but yeah. I get, I get it now, now that I understand it and what it was doing. But at the time I didn't understand it. I mean, yeah, he wa he wakes up. So I kind of, it's implied, but it was like, okay, what's going on? Um, it's, a, is, it's an odd, it's an odd thing. And it's, yeah. yeah. And if, if it's odd for me, cause I play I these it, all the freaking time. Like I, I'm a Sierra person from the olden days of point and clicks. I mean, King's quest, I played them all. So I, this is my bread and butter. So if it was a little odd for me, I can only imagine somebody who this isn't their normal game. How many people bailed after that first, you know, because there was See, if, if I didn't get hyped with you guys in this game, I probably would have bailed the moment he woke up because it just wouldn't have been my normal type of game. So, but I'm glad I stuck through. Yeah, that's my point. Is I think uh, that was an interesting choice. But again, Josh himself said, "Look, you either like it or you don't. We don't care." I mean, he didn't mm -hmm. say it in those in those words <laughs> well, directly. It did but... get review bombed, and it was basically because you like it or you don't. So that's there yeah, you go. yeah, that's true. Um, now, as far as we've talked a little bit about the uniqueness of the dialogue, the story, the interface, um, choice is a huge deal um, in Obsidian games. And if you've played Outer Worlds or um, Pillars of Eternity or you know any any of those games, you know that that's that's another calling card for them. Uh, other than writing, is the fact that choices you make have major consequences and without giving away any consequences do you feel your choices in the game were in part similar to the way that they were in other obsidian games do you think they had a considerable impact or do you think they maybe didn't i have a i have a i have a confession to make i have a confession to make guys because mm -hmm. this Speak, it brother took Rimmer. me it took me all of act one because i'm so conditioned 
to always choosing a choice based off my background. It took me the entirety of act one to, to get out of that <laughs> because I chose the law background. And I mean, universally, yeah. they give, they, I'm either responded to with blank stares or with basically shut the hell up, Andreas, for the law background. And yeah. I think that this game is complete uh-huh. in terms of choice of dialogue, like what <laughs> based off your background, it is completely different. They try to go with the more realistic, like what would this person actually respond to you with? Like, I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. I had to train myself out of that too. I was always using the unique dialogue options, even when I didn't think that I would actually say that and they weren't anything substantial. And I was like, oh, maybe this is just flavor. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> it was really I, hard I, to get out of that habit. I had, I had theology and I always the theology options and I didn't make friends. Back to the question of whether I felt like my choices mattered, like the big choices, uh, because the ending is always, like we said, it's the same for the most part. I, I felt that uh, some cho- like the big choices in the game, they actually don't matter so much. They have some impact, but not on the main story. Yes and no. I mean, like, there's differences in the ending, but it, yeah, the how the game ends versus like what you find out happens in the epilogue, I guess. Mm. Parentheses, you uh, were saying something. Yeah, I mean, there are different kinds of. Uh, I mean, the question is, does does choices matter? And I feel yes, but in a roundabout way. If we look at the grand story architecture, then probably not. It's probably going to be the same. But but when it comes to how it feels then I'd say yes. And that is exactly because of those, this will be remembered. And because they, they do something very interesting here, uh, I feel. It's sort of like you, you go about, you perhaps you want some information out of someone. So you talk to them or their, their friends or family and you try to, if you're a manipulative son of a bitch, try to, to say the right thing, only to find out at the end that, okay, all of that you said was to sort of pushed them into a corner but but in this case where 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 all of these decisions are taken together and summed up that's the exact wrong thing or perhaps you have been protective of them and you want to them them to scoot out of the situation and now they won't leave and 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 this makes some great narrative moments where you felt that that your choices have mattered either as a success or as a failure so perhaps not as a, a this will have great implications for the narrative, but but you as a person who's role playing this game, it has effects. It has choices have consequences. Yeah, if role play matters to you, then it definitely has impact. But if it's not about role play, then they give you great illusion of choice, but not actually. I actually have. I do think choice matters, but I have a different slant on it. I feel like. Yes, the dialogue, to a certain extent, you're correct. It does influence different things. And they obviously have some sort of background dialogue tree algorithm, whatever. Um, But having played it the second time, uh, almost to the end of the second act, um, it's uh, interesting because... I feel like choice, instead of as in a lot of Obsidian games, the choice comes from how you interact with people, like what you're saying, the dialogue you pick, the, you know. In this game, I feel like choice is more how you spend your time. 
um, what you do with your time. Uh, that choice in this game is critical. And I found out that the second time through, like the first time through, I went down to the waterfall um, area. You know, you see the little log and this isn't, there's no spoilers here. Uh, you see a little log and you see the water and you're like, oh, this, this would, this would be a cool place for stuff to happen or, you know, okay, do, 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 and move along and go back. The second playthrough, um, that became a critical spot for a part of, uh, of basically uh, implying that someone is part of a, a murder scene. And if you experience that, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so it was totally different because I made different choices. And what I'm saying is, and this talks to the game length, if you play the game, you have a finite amount of time each day to spend your actions. And you can't do everything, you know, in a, in a, in a game, many games that we play, we, we love to just complete, be a completionist and, and okay, I'm going to talk to everybody and I'm going to take notes on everybody and I'm going to master this thing. You can't do that in this game. They won't allow it because if you sit down to dinner with someone that takes up almost your entire freaking, I mean, it takes up half your day. And I it didn't realize this until an entire I, meal session. Oh my <laughs> God. I was like, and I get out of it and it's like, Oh, you're tired. You should sleep. Bullshit. I don't want to sleep. What do you mean? I just, yeah. I just, I just woke up a minute ago and I just had dinner. What? Have you not so, played games before? I stay awake for hours on end with limitless energy. Yes. Yeah. Screw the bed. I mean, somebody dies. I have to do, I have to figure this out. So, and I wanted to sneak in the forest late at night. And I mean, there are certain areas where you could do something like that, but I, I wish this game had trained you a little better on that kind of thing because like, it's interesting. I actually watched a YouTube video with my wife recently on how there's like this literacy with video games that a lot of long-term gamers have that, you know, like the A button is always jump or like, uh, how to recognize that you're not supposed to go this way in a game, even though there's no reason you can't because the developers are trying to push you in a direction. In this game, I felt like there was a lot of moments where I wanted to play it like a game, but you're supposed to play it just as Pentiment is. So, you know, wanting to spend my time properly and then quote-unquote wasting it on a meal, but also wanting to stay awake at night, but my character's like, no, I have to go to sleep. Like, those are things you don't mm. usually worry about when you play games. Yeah, I feel like the game didn't reward exploration at almost at all. There was at least one place where that paid out, but other than that, like going around, search, searching places, looking, looking around doesn't really get you anywhere. Yeah, that got real tiresome. I liked the immersion, and I liked that you could get to know the characters a bit more. It was a nice option, but I agree with you. Like I, After a certain point, I'm like, I'm not wasting another hour right. looking around at things. Like I want to well, progress. It's because in this game, unlike other games, there there really is no investigation. There, the investigation is all mental. There, You don't have like... You don't have tools like you don't have an art, you don't have a shovel you don't have a magnifying glass you don't have a, you don't really interact with the environment at all I mean you really don't and uh, where you do they tell you where to click uh, click here there's an eye big eyeball over here um, so you know it, it I think that the it's meant to be a cerebral experience um, and you it's hard, like Kiwi said, it was hard for me to get out of that mindset of being, I'm, I'm an explorationist. I, I like to take my time and look through every drawer and, 
this not that type of game. This is just not that type of game. Uh, it's not a, a flaw in the game. It's just that's not the type of game this is. This is a visual yeah. novel. Yeah. So that's what I was wondering. Is this a visual novel or is it a game? I mean, there's game gamified elements to it. I mean, like we talked about uh, engagement. You know, there's things in the game that you can manipulate. You'll see in the trailer. They have a little cipher that, that spins around. There's a part in the trailer where it looks like they're putting together a pot. So there are there are things in here where you can you can manipulate and do different things. But for the most part, they're kind of shallow and don't really have an effect on the game. There's only like one thing I can think of that really is critical to figuring out what's going on. And oh, two maybe. But uh they, I guess they were trying to put that stuff in to try to make you feel like you're interacting. Um, but <laughs> and, and it worked. I, if my first playthrough, I would have like, oh, this is definitely a game. But after getting to the ending, I'm like, it's more a visual novel than I really <laughs> wanted to admit. Oh, no. oh, no, I played a visual novel. <laughs> it's not a visual novel, no. Like, I don't even... like I don't know if I would even call them visual novels games, but Pentiment definitely is a game. So it's a it's an interesting hybrid. It's right on the border, and it's very different. And I guess that's yeah. why, because even like I think what Rimmerin said about coming from those experiences, coming from those you know outer worlds or games like that, we're kind of forced into this thought, this mentality. And I did the same thing. I started the game, you know, when I, the second time around. I told you I was I was the rabble rouser. I was the <laughs> I'm gonna have if I can have if I can have sex with them or if I can imply that I want to have sex with your wife if I can burn something down <laughs> if I can if I can like <laughs> pick on this little kid I'm gonna do it because I'm an asshole so I played that second playthrough like that just picking all the dialogue stuff and stuff like that and it was fun um, but again it's not as rewarding as it is in a game like Outer Worlds or you know where you're really kind of building this reputation that affects you down the road. In this game it's it's per connection. There there's no real reputation you're building. It's like yeah. You know, if I if I I mean yeah, the, the occasionally if you if you hit on someone's wife, you'll hear later, "Hey, why are you, why are you why are you hitting on my wife?" Well, it's because so are you <laughs> slut. It's because you don't obviously shower and, you know, so, oh, I mean, who would be with you anyway? It sure feels good telling Brother Gee to shut the fuck up sometimes, though, to be honest. Cause oh, that hell guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yes. That was good. Totally did that. Oh, like, okay, what about I, the... I, I, I know it would have felt good, but I was always uh, mild-mannered. That's good. In my first playthrough, I was I took the safe route. Yeah, I was I was trying to be as agreeable as possible to try to get people to. And I also used the mechanic. I didn't know if they played into this or not. I didn't really get the feeling they did. But there's many times in the game where you have the option to remain silent instead of responding at all, and that's a great interview tactic. You know, if if you stay silent, people get uncomfortable and they feel like they got to fill that void with stuff. That's where I was going with that, but I don't know if that really paid off completely. Um, I mean, again, I, this is a game where it would have been neat if they had at the very end that thing they did with Becoming Human or whatever it was, Detroit Becoming Human, where you have that 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 thing, that graph at the end that tells you all the choices you made and, and which choices you, you kind of, or there's areas that you didn't 
see choices. I would like to see that graphic. I did not see one. Maybe there is, but I didn't see that happen. Um, and I was kind of expecting that at the end to see a kind of a, a graphical representation of, of the path I took. Um, difficulty was this a hard game for you did you find it challenging is there anything in the game you found engaging and challenging where you're like scratching your head yeah how do i play this game that was the first thing i thought i wasted so much of my first playthrough in act one because i didn't know how to engage pentiment for what pentiment was and that sucks the the engaging part and the the, the almost challenging part it's not necessarily challenging is what you were talking about, about choosing what you do with your time. Like for me, there was someone I believe uh, like committed the murder and I gathered evidence, but I didn't know that I didn't have a certain amount of time to do it. So in the end, I laid out all the facts and I, 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 I said, hey, I think this person did it. And the, the person deciding went with a completely different person. Uh, because I didn't have enough, I didn't like acquire enough evidence. And that was like, oh crap. It felt like I, 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 there was a challenge that I didn't do properly. Um, and I don't know if it, it didn't feel bad for me. It felt like, okay, now I know what I can do in act two. Yeah. But that's the problem is like, that's an entire act of the game where you weren't sure how to engage. I did the same thing. And then on the second replay, I'm like, I really would have liked to know, like telegraph to me, the player that my time is a lot more precious than I think it is. You know, and I ended up wasting a lot of time in that first playthrough and I had the same issue. And it's like, that's a third of the game, arguably that you just pissed away. Yeah. I mean, it does tell you in the top right corner it says you have 12 hours left or whatever, but that didn't matter because it did. Yeah, there was, I, we didn't know didn't what know was what ticking off the time. I'm like, Oh, I got 12 hours. I'll go have dinner with them. And after yeah, dinner, that's it's a lot like, of Shit, time. you got to go to bed. I'm like, what? Doesn't take me that yeah. long to eat, especially that I crap know. you had on the table. I mean, dude, it's just bread and soup. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, after all those periods when the time moved, you you literally had the clock moving. You can't say that you didn't know time was moving. Well, no, it's not. It's not that I didn't know time was moving, but it's that I thought I had a lot more than I did. Like, for example, I'm not going to get into spoilers, but in the first act, there's a few different threads that you could follow investigatively. And at one point, there was a thread I wanted to follow, but I was gated because uh, an important person was coming that day to basically make the decision, and I didn't have time to follow that thread anymore, even though I really wanted to pursue it. And I'm like, well, if I had known that time would progress so quickly, or that these things would take up time uh, when I could have done other things. Like I didn't realize that I could do investigations during this time, or I didn't realize that if I had gone to visit this person to look at sheep's wool getting spun, that it would take the entire time. I, I thought it would just be a small conversation. It's so, like time just kept moving forward. And then by the end of the first act, I'm like, well, I got zero evidence except for a little bit on one person. So maybe it's this guy who knows. Yeah, there, there wasn't a consistency. Like I, I didn't like, like I said with the dinner and and going into somebody's house and talking to someone, I couldn't see how much time was ticking off. Uh, when I when I had a conversation with someone, uh, if I moved to the second floor and talked to two people, how much time is that taking away from me? There was no real way. I mean, it they did have the 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 clock and they did in the top right corner kind of tell you yeah but, but you found was, that out after the time was gone not before right it was bullshit i mean there's there's 
there's it wasn't consistent. It was at least in my view, there was no consistency as far as if I'm I I could decide if I have if I have six hours left right before the the baron comes or whatever. If I have six hours left and then I have a decision to make. Do I go into this house or this house or this house? Do I have time to go into all three houses? You know, I couldn't make that evaluation because that information really wasn't given to me in a consistent way, which is fine. I'm not saying that's a flaw. It's just something that, like, uh, like Gingerino said, it's something I wasn't expecting. I didn't, I didn't realize until it was too late that I was out of time. I'm not saying that they did a bad job with the game in that aspect. It's just that I wasn't in tune with the developers, and so I ended up wasting time playing this game because I didn't engage with it properly. Right, I just, exactly. I wish that that was telegraphed a little better. Like, if they, there was some way of communicating to the player, like, hey, this is what this means. Use it wisely. Um, I don't know. Like, it's, it's clearly parenthesis and Kiwi got it, so maybe I'm just a, a dummy. Yeah, I, <laughs> no, no, I didn't get it. Well, you can be a dummy with me, I guess. (laughs) There's something innocent about the first playthrough, but there's also something, you know, more truthful about the first playthrough. The one, it's it's a pure expression of you as a player, and uh, you were allotted a number, an amount of time, and you spend it how you did, and that's choice and consequence. Yep, and I mean the time was still nice. Like I like the, the interactions were cool. I really liked uh, pissing off all the people at the church. Oh my god, yeah. And you don't know though. The point is that that, and I agree with you, Kiwi. I understand what you're saying because it's kind of real. It's more realistic, right? The games that we other games that we play, we we I open every drawer, I read every journal, I I look at, and time really doesn't pass. In this game it really pushes you to do that, and I know why they do that. I think it's because of replayability. I think they want to they want to make this game where you can try another playthrough and see if you can see different things, which I did. See, I did see different I, things. I disagree. I thought that at first, but I actually think that this game is better played once and to replay it again actually kind of takes away from it in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Did anyone notice like it's it's only occurred to me now that you can't save scum in this game. No. no I, I, which and I like. you can't I didn't like. I hated that. I I liked it at first until I ran into a, a gating glitch or whatever problem, and I had to restart. I but never it turned it nice off. Be- I just left the damn thing running the whole time because if I have to run and go to the bathroom or I have to go to dinner, I can't save the game. And then I go to the menu and it says you haven't saved in four point five minutes. Oh, well, oh yeah, fuck! That's- that wasn't my choice. You know, I just wanted to save. A, just walk into a house. I think it auto saves whenever you traverse into a new part of the yeah, map. But well, I didn't know that. You, uh, yeah, sometimes you are stuck with like some conversations. <laughs> like at the start of yeah, the game, there's true, a really true. long part that you can't do anything. You're stuck with the Baron and the uh, what else. All right, let's move on to uh, ratings. I'm, I'm going to ask everybody to give it a rating. We're going to use a one out of we're going to use a one to ten scale, and then uh, give me a justification for that. You know, uh, just just so you just think in your head. Uh, this is a personal. This is obviously extremely subjective. Everybody's going to be different. Um, so this, don't feel like you have to be a gaming journalist. I want your personal grade, not what you think is the grade that should be out there in the ethosphere or whatever. I, I want what you think it is. I'll start to make it easy. <clears throat> You'll probably be surprised. 
I give it a 10 out of 10. And the reason I give it a 10 out of 10 is because I think Pentiment is one of the few perfect games that isn't perfect. And the reason I say that is because for its, if you're aware of its budget and the team of people that they, uh, the small team of people they put together to make this, it's a masterpiece for what they did. As long as you look at it in that context as an indie game with vision and style, there's very little you can fault in it. Um, the game, I think th this is the, the best way to look at it. The game is true to its identity and it's not going to change for you which I kind of respect. Um, so that's why I give it a 10 out of 10. There's lots of flaws. I can point out lots of things that I didn't like, but I still, that first playthrough, that, that engaging experience, it was a 10 out of 10 for me. Um, so Rimaran, what's your score? Uh, me? I mean, it's you guys know, I, if you hear me talk long enough, it's very easy for me to find something that I love in the game. But this, I would, I, I would definitely give a 10 out of 10. And I think it was purely on the experience, not like gameplay, because like gameplay was, I mean, there wasn't that much gameplay and the choices were interesting, but I feel like what really got me is how the not game stuff was. Like the way they handled those dialogue choices surprised me in a, in a really refreshing way, where at first I was like, I'm annoyed. These guys, every time I'm, I'm telling them the law, they don't care. Uh, but after a while, I was like, but you know what? They wouldn't in real life. They'd be like, who is this guy who is not a lawyer who, or who is not a, an official person? Like, why are you telling me the law? Especially if you're talking to someone who, who is in charge. Um, and I felt, I felt like in terms of experience it gave me, uh, it was wholly unique. And for that 10 out of 10. Excellent. Parenthesis, what's your score? Uh, so uh, I'm gonna go against the grain and give it uh, nine out of ten because it, it it's, it's a wonderful game. It's a it's a great game. It has a unique graphical style. It has an an interesting take on conversation. It is it shares a lot of its DNA with uh, a night in the night in the woods, which is always a plus in my book. Uh, but it it just lacks a little a little bit of zest to, to bring it up that with the. With uh, with papers, please, and uh, well, the rest of Lucas Pope's games, I guess, as as, as a near perfect game, but a, a great game nonetheless. Excellent, um, Kiwi. Uh, we're going to scale to one to ten here. What do you uh, What are you going to give it? Well, I hope no one will ever call me a gaming journalist. Well, <laughs> um, eight out of ten. Um, and reasons being, uh, well, there's a couple of reasons, and I will probably get more into detail about them in the spoiler section, but I'll just say that um, the mystery aspect of the game, uh, you can quite easily figure out the reason behind some of the things happening in the first act. Uh, uh, and that ruined it for me for the most of the game and then uh, the last act drags along like it's it's not so interesting and there's a lot of repetitions of things you already know yeah I think I know what you're getting at for some of that 
All right, Gingerino. Now, now the spotlight's on you, buddy. <laughs> Obsidian's listening. Obsidian's listening. That your reputation is going to be ruined. Tell me what you give it. Reputation. There you okay, go. Like, okay, uh, this is going to be cheating, but I, I need you to allow me to do this because of my unique experience. I, I, I got to give it two scores: one for like what I see the game as, and one for what my actual experience was. Okay, so like if I was to like, if I was trying to rate the game and write something up on it. I would give it a 9 out of 10 because I think when you meet Pentiment on its own terms for how it was made and all who made it and what it's trying to talk about and convey, I think it does things very well, uh, especially for a game delivered in its style. And it was gripping. I loved the characters. I was into everything, every little detail I was asking questions about and I was engaging with. And so the game... I'm not going to repeat everything as you, that you guys already said. I don't want to rehash it, but it, like on an, its own level, it does it really well. Um, there's a couple little things here and there that I didn't like, that but they're not really issues. They're, they're things I would forget, you know, like the journal being clunky in console or not being able to skip through that first section in the game if you do replay it or things like that that I've already brought up. So that's that's the minus one point, nine out of ten. But on terms of my own personal experience with the game. I'm going to be giving it a 6.5 out of 10 because I had a lot of issues with my playthrough and the experience was not good. Were these technical? Are you talking technical issues? Are you talking issues with the game's context? Well, like you said, what was your personal experience? If I had to say, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how did I feel my time was spent on the game? I would say 6.5 out of 10, and here's why. Um, One, I did have a weird bug that showed up near the beginning of Act 2, where basically I got stuck in a room and all of my autosaves were in that room for some reason, so I couldn't leave. There was no option to leave. So the game stopped there. I couldn't do it anymore, so I was forced to replay it. And then I kind of... I didn't run into that bug again, but I kept running into this issue where I I couldn't ask a person a question that was in the the thread for Act 1 again. And so I ended up having to finish the game by watching a Let's Play. So the, to be fair, I, that's my interaction with the game. I've done all of Act 1 twice, part of Act 2, and then for the remainder of Act 2 and 3, it's just been Let's Plays and videos. So you got to keep that in context. But the other reason I'm going to give it a 6.5 on my own personal is because, like, especially if you're doing a second playthrough, there's a lot of time that you're spending watching things that have nothing to do with choice, reading paragraphs over and over again that you already know where they're going. It would be really nice to have like a new game plus mode where you've played the game once and you can play it again, but you can skip scenes that you know are going to last half an hour that don't have any choices in them that matter. Something like that. I felt like a lot of my time in this game I didn't enjoy because I had to do it again. That said, it was really cool to see the Rapscallion and Occultist stuff in Act 1. There's a lot of different things you can get there. But yeah, that experience with the bug and then just a lot of time spent seeing the same thing over and over again. Um, yeah, that was not, it wasn't enjoyable. Now, if anyone at Obsidian is listening, again, I'm not saying Pentiment <laughs> is late. bad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit this part out. I'm going to cut Don't out Don't you dare. You. No, yeah. I like, no, like I said, as a game on its own, I recognize that I am one experience out of many. Most people got, almost everyone got to the end without any issue. Right? Blah, so blah, mine is blah. just... Ah, uh, shut up, Sora. You're allowed to tirade on on Jeds. I'm allowed to say all right, all right. get the end of mine. No, it's okay. Is this scripted? Is this scripted? Is what scripted? 
oh. your dialogue. <laughs> it's not dialogue. No, I've just been thinking about it a lot because I didn't like get to play all the way to the end before this episode, and I was kind of bummed about it. Yeah, that sucks. But, no, I'm I'm being completely honest with you here. I was just joking around before, but I I think your <laughs> score makes sense because of the situation you're in. I I thankfully did not have any bugs. Yeah, and, and that I recognize sucks. that that's unique to my playthrough. Like that's not that you can't rate the game because I can't give it a six out of ten uh, overall because I had one bad playthrough. Right. Someone's bound to have a buggy experience. That happens every now and then. That sucks, and I man. See, I've played enough games to know that this game is good, and I'm, like I said, I've watched it all the way through to the end. So I, I, mm. I, I, I can see that the game is good. I just wish I had been able to experience it. Yeah, totally get you there. Um, and I think that's fair, given at those two scores. So we're going to move now. So those who are listening, uh, we're going to move from the non-spoiler part to the spoiler part. So this is your fair warning. If you don't want to hear... Uh, who actually committed the murder, if you don't want to hear about different story and plot points, if you want to preserve the experience, um, you need to bail right now because we're going to jump into uh, the spoiler part because I really do want to kind of hear what people's thoughts are about some of the stuff um, and uh, the story arc and the ending in particular and um, some of the choices you made for who you accused. Um, so we're, we'll get into some of that. Um, so this is your last warning. We're now moving into the spoiler section of the podcast. Three, two, one. Boom. Too late. It all right, was you all along. Yeah. No, <laughs> you're screwed. You're screwed. <laughs> I knew you'd um, Okay, so let's do this. Let's. I will say, like choices um so i played it first as flanders craftsman theology latinist uh orator um i didn't feel like that had a whole lot of effect for me i think the latin part obviously did uh i think theology there were some options in there i don't ever remember in the first act that craftsman came into play at all but um i'm sure it did the second time, though, that's when I was the rapscallion. That's when I was into the occult. That's when I did every <laughs> possible thing I could do to be bad. That was actually kind of cool because uh, when I went darker, it opened up a lot of things that, that I didn't see the first time around. And it pushed me in a different direction uh, than what I had the first time around. Did anybody else uh, feel like those player choices you made at the very beginning kind of really influenced everything for you? Yeah. I, I had set a mental tone of how I was going to roleplay the game, and that on my second playthrough, even just in the first act, so much was different. Yeah. So I uh, actually, yeah. I like the bookworm thing when, when, the, when you are in the library and... Uh, have some insights on the books. That was nice. Yeah, Bookworm is a nice one. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I was going to say something. Oh, no, I forgot. We'll, we'll get, get to it. To so it. so the, there's two murders, two big... Well, there's three murders, but there's the the, the, the big one, the first murder, when, um, when this happens, the game basically allows you to uh, accuse or gather evidence on four different people. There's four different people you could potentially accuse. <laughs> there is, I'm going to mispronounce these names, but there's Attila. That's the one that um, the Baron beat uh, her husband and she hates nobles. There's Lucky. So the who, yeah, the hag. <laughs> there's yeah. Lucky 
who is the one Stone. that where the Baron slept with his daughter. So, There's so uh, sister. Mason. Yep. Sister Matilda was the one that was raped by the Baron. And then there's Prior Fenric, and that's the occult dude um, who was trying to help the Baron get rid of syphilis or something like that. Um, And so those are the four. In my playthrough, I went straight for, uh, in the first playthrough, it was Lucky. In the second playthrough, it's totally Fenric because I went the occult route. Um, and, uh, yeah, totally wanted to see his head get cut off. Um, anybody have any thoughts on that first accusation? Who did you pick and how did you feel it played Mm -hmm. out? I, 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 I picked prior, but you know, at, at, because, because of these letters you got, you already knew that someone is pulling the strings behind the scenes, and this, because I read the name of Pharaoh's book, I knew that you know, this is this was going, and it, it, it's the case that no matter who you get killed, it doesn't matter in the end because you know the, the real perpetrator is still out there. So I, I just decided to kill the guy I like the less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The second playthrough I did that. I, I was like, I hate this guy the most. I'm gonna use this power to kill him. Well, oh, Rimran, what did me, you who did it, you pick? So it didn't occur to me that the killer uh or the, the thread pooler existed, right? To me, the one who wrote the note was the killer, at least the first act, because I didn't know that that, that that this was happening. So I immediately was like, it can't be Attila. She can't write like that. It can't be Lucky. He sure can't write like that. So I chose the prior. Um, but at the same time, I didn't get it because I didn't realize what time, uh, like that I had less time. I didn't get enough evidence. So they ended up killing Attila and I felt like she didn't do it. And I felt really bad about it. <laughs> that poor woman gets screwed over so bad it, by the end. In my oh, yes. Parenthesis, tell us what you picked. Yeah, well, yeah I went uh, through the same logic as Rimmer and saying, well, the, the, this message needs to come from someone who's literate. And the only one of, of that bunch is pretty much just a uh, prior Fenerik. And also he's an asshole. So, uh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, I wonder what the percentage would be. Like if they went through, I'm sure they have this data. I would love to see the mm. data on, because on, yeah. I would think well, the prior is probably the popular choice. Yeah, because I, I actually like when I was playing it, I I got the steam achievement for the uh, choosing prior, and uh, it was you know the day one of when the game got launched or day two anyway. I, I don't think anyone played this, had played the second time already. It was like thirty three percent. Oh wow! Oh okay. Achievement. Sounds about right. Oh interesting. I didn't even think about looking at the achievement. That's smart. But, the but, percentages. But because some. Perhaps some people hadn't yet played until that point. I'd say perhaps half the half of the people picked prior on the first playthrough. Well, prior makes sense, like you said, for the note. But I mean, the note also implies Lucky, which is who I killed first, because you could find yeah. a similar note on that on a gravesite. Like, yeah, oh. that's what I did yeah. on the first playthrough, and I felt bad for Lucky. I felt really bad. Oh, you know? I hated that choice so much. I felt so bad, but I'm like, this is all I got. Here you go. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. Do you think? Do you think? So when Josh said that this game didn't have like a canon 
uh, murderer, or it doesn't it doesn't tell you that there is one um, for the for the individual uh, murders. I thought that meant there was one that they had in mind, but they're just not going to ever tell you. But after playing it, yeah. after going through, I sometimes I feel like it could be any of these because notes the drug cooler sent notes to every no, single one, yeah. and it literally could have been any of them. Yeah, okay. I mean, I they probably have anyone, favorites. That's yeah. the point. That's the I point. I don't think but... there's actually. A, I don't think even Josh knows. I think that at some point the director was Josh was just like, "Here's the evidence I want you to put in," and they were like, "Who's the killer?" And Josh was like, "I don't know. It doesn't matter." <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's the that's the postmodernist take just took on this game, like from the book. Uh, um, I'm gonna give spoilers on the name of the road now because the, the book's been out there for 40 years at, at least. So if you <laughs> and then, yeah, there's yeah, yeah, yeah if you haven't read it by now, it's your own because fault. Basically, what happens in the book, uh, the the guy. Come, the main character comes in there with his friend to the abbey, and then there's mysterious murder there, and there will be many murders in the coming days. And it seems like all these murders murders are connected somehow, but you don't know how they're connected. But in the end, in the very end of the book, it's it's revealed that uh, while it it seemed like everything was connected and there was a big conspiracy around those murders. It And it all was connected to the theme of apocalypse coming. It all was actually random and it just happened to be the way it was. And everyone was just uh, thinking that it, there was some conspiracy. But, uh, but the book itself, the mystery part of it, uh, I, I liked when it kept me guessing all the time if you red herrings uh, you could you could make some theory, theories about who's behind these things uh what's the real reason behind these things but in the game uh i could already in the first act discern that the, that thing's history is the reason for the murders and it's the you know, you get all these references to the two saints, and then you hear the stories about the uh, the Roman legends and the other legends, and you 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 make quite early the connection. Ah, yeah, the saints are not actually saints, but are the other legends turned into a Christian legend. So I feel like already in the first act, I was just after that getting the story through. Think the story through to basically find out who who did it and how because uh, they just made it the game in a way that you would never suspect the real killer. Yeah, I I didn't get that. I mean, I'm I think it's cool that you did. Maybe it's you know your insight into the you know fruit recently reading the book and such. But I I didn't catch on to that in the first first act i mean eventually yes i I became apparent to me on the second act that that's what was going on so i kind of it wasn't like uh there was no aha moment for me which i kind of wish there was i kind of at the i kind of knew what was going to happen um i i didn't predict that the 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 crazy woman was a part of it but uh i you know that was kind of neat but before we get to that let's did you guys know that that the animations for the executions were different 
that um, the men get their head chopped off and the women get strangled? I didn't know that. Yeah. Nope. Yep. So if uh, Sister Matilda is put to death, she is killed by a rope. They put a rope around her neck and pull it taut and she kind of wiggles and it's really, it's actually a lot more horrible than the, than the other one. Um, but I thought that was interesting. I wonder if that is period appropriate. Uh, I, I don't know history enough to know if that's that they actually changed the method of execution uh, based on gender, but um, I wasn't aware of that. I mean, obviously many thousands of years or hundreds of years before that in England, they didn't discern a difference, but um I don't know. I thought that was thought that was interesting. So the second murder, the murder of Otto, um, <clears throat> or Odo, I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, you have really two people that you could accuse at that point, which was maybe slightly disappointing, but um, it's Martin or Hannah. So Martin is the one that had kind of the bad reputation. What? It's, it's discovered that Martin's a fraud, wanted, wanted Otto gone because he knew his true identity. Mm. Martin I killed and brother then, guy. Yeah, you I I then, chose brother Guy. Oh, you could. I only thought there was two options. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Apparently okay. there's three. Three. Excellent. Hannah was the other one that I knew about. Um Hannah's the one that lives in the Golden Hand Inn and works there. She's she's having an affair with Linhart, uh the miller, and wanted Otto gone to preserve the shrine because mm-hmm. visitors come to the really shallow kind of reason, but um, Hannah's the one that I, I got to yeah. uh, just because I wanted to... he was embezzling funds from the Abbey yep oh he was. wow yeah that's why I chose him okay and he's interesting okay yeah I agree with that yeah. parenthesis did you yeah. which one did you pick uh, Hannah I, I, Martin I picked, or brother uh, I, I picked Hannah I mean I really didn't like Guy but I just thought that the the evidence didn't add up for for Guy and and Martin um, was sort of it was sort of I, I I will admit my at this point on the point of of the actual accusation of the the murder my uh, my emotion was broken because I knew well it doesn't really matter who might choose it the, the, the right. game will just waddle on so like so I looked who who will impact the the story in the well. In the best direction, if they are gone, and then it's also like, because uh, uh, Martin had sort of had sort of reformed himself and kind of tried to integrate himself in society, and yeah, uh, well, he, I had already fucked enough with the uh, the Abbey, so I thought, well, let's let's give them a rest. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I just yeah, I, that was uh, I felt the same way as you. I kind of realized at that point, oh, this is you know, not going to make any difference. Um, I mean, I obviously make a difference for the person who dies, but, um, I, it, it doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah. which was kind of disheartening a little bit, but you know, I kind of realized, okay, I'm just yeah. gonna pick somebody. Yeah. Because, because in already in act one, I realized that it doesn't matter. So that's why I always killed the guy I didn't like. So it was prior and guy. <laughs> <laughs> It really was for me too. I bet I my thought was, first of all, did you guys feel the same way I felt about Martin? Like I was in a, a episode of the Twilight Zone. Like I spoke with the doctor, and the doctor was like, it, it was when he said, 
oh yeah, I treated him for a really big, yeah. bad injury when he was young and that the scar's not there anymore. My heart dropped. Like I literally was like, yeah. what? Yeah. Oh my God. This is not, yeah, he's this not is Martin. Not, like, he's not Martin. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> that was awesome. I really like that actually. And I, to me, it felt like, oh, it can't be him anymore because this is such a, this is a completely different person. Um, and I feel like, uh, I don't know. It just felt, it, it, it felt odd to me. Um, and I, I actually liked this person. I forget who, who is, what his real name was, but much better than the old Martin who kept telling me to eat shit. And I just was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to accuse him. Uh, how many of you did, uh, when you played it the first time, how did Martin tell you to eat shit? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Martin did not like me. Martin was an ass. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't get the achievement that you uh, successfully persuade five people in the. You know, uh, when there's chance to, uh, you know, get the, what you want or not. Oh, that's uh, interesting. That, yeah, because because I went the theology route, and I always chose that thing that never ma made me friends. So, also, uh, you know. You know the in the women's co convent uh, at some point I did a, like kind of a safe scum because uh, you could first like persuade the one girl that oh, you should remain at the convent or you should leave the convent. But either way, I did it. I failed. <laughs> like oh, you should stay here. No, no, I actually shouldn't. Or, Then I save scum and told her, ah, you should leave. Ah, no, I don't think I should. Hey, Gingerino, did you, uh, did, who did you accuse? There's, we came up with three that we think are possibilities. I don't, there might be more, but uh, uh, Martin, Hannah, or the brother? Um, the... Well, I, this, so I watched that part in the Let's Play. Oh, and, gotcha. Uh, okay. They, All right. They accused Martin for that, which um, I was kind of, for I was kind of for that one, but also eh, I don't know because Ray Moran brought up that like this isn't Martin. I'm like, what the, what? So, so it was a it was an interesting choice. I didn't know who to choose. There was a third option that someone brought up though. Brother, somebody. Brother guy. Brother guy. Brother guy. Gee, yeah. Gee. yeah. Gee, oh, sorry. Brother that was guy. A, I yeah. did not even. Was I, maybe I wasn't paying attention or something. I don't. Me really either. Know. I did. It's a total surprise to me, which is cool. I'm glad there was more than just two. So, um, so now let's move on. We know the real the real killer. Da 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 da. Dum dum. And as I mentioned, yeah. it was kind of I kind of saw it coming. Um, I didn't see the whole thing coming. I didn't see the 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 crazy woman uh, sister, whatever, who lives in the who's locked in the the tower the whole time. Uh, I didn't see her being a part of it, but um, yeah, I mean, I knew the father was was the one who who did it. Um, especially after exploring the aqueduct and uh, piecing together little pieces there, I think they gave me enough information at that point, closer to the end that I kind of saw it coming. Um, but anybody, it doesn't mean I'm super smart. It just, I could have been wrong, but, uh, did anybody else, were you like happy with that? Uh, how did you feel? I was happy about the inclusion of a uh, sister. Oh shoot. What's her name? Sister Emily. 
Emily, mm-hmm. I think, is right, yeah. I had the opposite of you. Like, I didn't really suspect Father Thomas, although in retrospect I should. Um, but Amelie, I was like, she got way too much screen time for not being involved in Acts 1 and 2. And so in Act 3, I'm like, something's up. I, I, it's got to be it's, something. It's she- funny that you mention that because when it got to the very end and you go in the room and she's she's there, that's when I had my oh shit moment. That's when I was like, oh, I'm such a fucking idiot. I, I got it wrong. It was See, her the whole time. I, I fucking knew it. I knew that bitch was involved. <laughs> <laughs> that was my reaction. I was like, good. Finally. Well, it had to be. It yeah. had to be. It, it had to be some, so by then, you know that it had to be someone with who who was learned, I guess, who could who was literate because um, – Right, you know right. the notes, right? And then oh, at the sense. same time, at the same time, so it couldn't you, that takes out all the peasants, and then the abbey was completely destroyed. So that pretty much takes out all of the uh, most of of the uh, the male members because I think the sisters the were, were still there, but then at the same time, the only person who because they don't interact, the the sisters aren't allowed to interact with with the peasants. They wouldn't know any of the things they needed to know to to push these people to murder so the and and the only person who knows everybody is father thomas because he gets confession so i think that's the biggest that like by then i was like by the third act i was like it's father thomas it has to be like i'm always like the the font that the, the uh sister uses like i always like wonder who who could it be who could it be and like um, like in the hindsight, if I would do a second playthrough, I would pay a lot of attention to the first scene where you met Sister Amelia because Father Thomas actually gives some background to her that if you pay close attention, that could be something that you know is a very key thing there because we know she in the end we know she brought in the Gothic script because she used to do a lot of you know this stuff. In, in her earlier life. Yeah. The payoff, uh, Princess, yeah. did you figure it out? No. Uh, at some point at, in, in the in the third act, my wires got crossed and I became absolutely assured that it was the doctor. I know he couldn't because of various reasons, but but I've become assured because I'm like, okay, it, it, it has to be some guy, who, guy who's, who's learned. And then it, it has to be someone... And the doctor is there, and he really, really detests being there, but he still keeps yeah. on doing it. So, so somewhere in, in my adult mind, it became, oh, he's part of some larger conspiracy, and he's the agent, like, uh, who's placed there, and and he's he's just he's he's out in the boon- boonies, and he just hates it, and 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 then he goes around and doing it, and, and of course it's, it's utter nonsense. It, it doesn't make any sense, but that's where I I was headed. Which is interesting because at some point you you get a history book. I got a history book, and then you need to translate it, translate it because. Uh, my character could read Latin, but she couldn't read that much Latin and that, and that complicated structure. So she sort of went around. Okay, who should I talk to? Uh, well, I can't really do the do the doctor, uh, but no one else was. So I have to try. No, nope, he doesn't want to do it either. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. This game threw us for know, a I, loop I, then. I, at some point, I, I before in Act Two, we get the letters again. I was suspecting also Brother Pierre himself. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, like like him sacrificing himself 
in order to save the uh, Tussing's um, reputation. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um, obviously, when the letter started coming again, uh, no, that's that's not him. But so we've talked about who who we thought it was or how we were surprised or not. But as a story, as if you look back on it as a written story, let's say it is a, a visual novel. Um, are you satisfied? Is this a book that you take to the library and donate, or is this one you put back on your shelf? Um, no. What do you think? I would have liked that the, but it, as it is now, no, I wouldn't recommend it as a book to anyone or someone. Uh, the mystery part should have been more of a mystery, like the reason why the murders are happening, it's too easily discerned earlier, so you know why something is done, you just don't know who did it. Uh, it would have been more interesting if you, you were kept guessing and you know why and who only at the very end. Um, I think I'd re- honestly, that's a good question. Thinking about it now, I feel like if Pentiment was rewritten as a book with just like a, a canon line of questioning and investigation, I feel like that would almost be better experience for me. I would almost prefer to see Pentiment in a just a straight written format. And, and I think that would be a great journey. Still a great game, obviously. But yeah, I think I'd recommend that to people. Uh, there's enough there that you can figure out. Like, Remoran got it. He he pieced the pieces together, so you can do it. But it's still elusive enough that you, you, know, you can make a mistake here or there. I think I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. I feel like, like if, it's store, if it's a written story, I wouldn't recommend it. But because it's a game... Obviously, like, think... it, would have to, you'd, it would have to choose which characters you... like. You can't well, investigate all of them in a written story. That would be boring to read after a while. But well, no, I think my my big thing is is the visual aspect of it really paid off. Like for example, the whole font thing. You know, it the, throughout the whole game, you're like, that's cool, that's neat. They're changing def- depending on Andreas's perspective. But then when you when you see Sister Amelie in the end, and it changes to that purple script, it almost like it's like an explosive, like that that kind of like oh, it's it, it was her that the whole time. And it's something that you can't get in a book. You can't do in a book. Oh no! Like they they used the platform that they were doing really well. I'm not saying that that they didn't use it well. I just for me, I think I would go on a much more wild ride if I had read it as a book and I had my own characters in my head. But that's just that's just me, right? Like as a personal thing. Parenthesis. What do you think? You think it's a good book, or you think it's a better game? Um. I, I, I'm sorry, but this is going to be a bit uh, circuitous. Um, I think that, um, I mean, the mystery is, is okay, but I, I think that the story of this game really shines as a, a, a kind of a foundation for the experience of going through the game and experiencing this retelling of a time or this interpretation of a time. In other words, uh, to use a metaphor, the story is the the bread that holds the delicious pottage. And if you took that approach to a book, then it could be a really good book. The, the story is just a structure that, that, that keeps everything up. And, and that can be terribly interesting. So that, that way it could be a, a, a good book at least. But I think it makes a, a great game as it is. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like um, I would not enjoy it as a book. I think unless it was, even if it included bits of history that I really love to read about, I love reading nonfiction. So even if it did that, I still don't think it's one I would keep in my library. However, uh, it's not really the narrative. It's not really the story arc that, that I had fun with. I had fun with the visual aspects. I had fun with the personalities. I had fun with, uh, you know, the, the different areas that I could, the limited exploration, but the different places I could look at just immersing myself as if I was living in this village at that period of time in history, what would it be like? Um, that, that's what drew me to it. That's why I liked it. I loved the art. I just, I, I, that's why I gave it the high score is, is not the, the story. It's, it, it was, it was good. Um, and the writing was fantastic. I'm the story and writing are two different things. Yeah. The writing was fantastic. The dialogue was fantastic. The, I, I, it's not, I don't fault that at all the story arc is what I'm talking about. Um, and that, that was a little disappointing for me, but, um, you know, that's just me and it hits everybody at a different way. Now at the end, the one thing where your choices really do kind of influence in, and I thought it was really neat. I kind of knew that's how they were going to end the game anyway, but at the very end of the game, it, it pans across your, after you hop in the cart and leave. Well, I guess that's what everybody did, did unless somebody was dumb enough to marry that putz. But um, you you jump in the <laughs> cart, you leave, and then the mural, it goes across your mural, which shows, you know, four different choices. Really, I guess two, but I'll have to hear from you guys because I don't think the last two really had much of a choice. But the first one was the origins of the town, and the second one was the revolt, and then the last two panels were the truth and then the future. And for the origins, I chose the Bavarians settling among the Roman ruins. And for the revolt, I chose the honor what peasants stood for, where Otto's standing there giving his speech and you see the soldiers in the background. Um, I liked that. Um, I thought it was neat. It was one way where my choices definitely did impact the game and what I saw. Um, how did you guys feel about it and about your choices and, and yeah. overall? Um, Obsidian got their slideshow. Yeah, I got. I I chose the same ones as you did, Sora. Uh, the the why there was this slideshow that is only very you know uh, high detail. This pays homage to the Andre Rublev movie, which which is a really old movie. It's a black and white movie, uh, three hours long, and in the end, uh, uh, the movie changes back to color or changes to color and it shows Andre Rublev's the most famous uh, mur murals and uh, icons and this was in like in the very same way done excellent um anybody else what did you think about your mural were you happy did you like that or was that pointless I chose the exact same uh, choices as you guys, which I find interesting. <laughs> Did we all have the same? The That's... guy I watched chose the same things. But here's the thing that I love. So I love. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved. I, I love that. I, I think that what I love about the mural so much is I felt such a part of the town that when it was like panning across the mural, it felt like my history too. Like even though you play Andreas, at least at least for most of the game. Yeah. If you feel you still feel like oh like 
you, you almost like you want to smile because like this is the, this is the story of this town and you get it when you when you when you're looking at the mural. The other thing I loved about it was that it was it. I love when games do this. The menu screen is the final room is the room where the where the mural is and you don't realize it until yeah. either, either act That's three cool. or in the end. I, I love that. Yeah. And yeah, when you, when you start the game and you have to erase that one page, the page is actually translated to Latin, the first page of the name of the Rose book. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's crazy. So parenthesis, did you pick those same two choices for Origins and Revolt? Uh, for, for Origins and Revolt, I'm not entirely certain. Uh, I mean, I, I picked the the original settlers as they lived for the first uh, first part of the mural, then yeah. the foundation of the abbey, and then, and then at, at, at the end, Otto's speech. I don't know. Did you get the, um, the, the visualization of the family tree of the various villages? I did. I did. Yeah. Since I didn't yeah. marry the putts, I was all by myself. But I assume if you married that guy, you, it was in there. But I don't even know if that was a choice. Did anybody marry the putts? I did. I always told him to go off. Did you really? So in the so at the end when they showed the future, did does it show you married to him on the family tree? No, I, I think so. I don't remember, but I know it's it. You don't stay in town. He cut. He goes to you. He he oh, shows okay. up. Yeah, he shows up in uh where where is it? Prague is it Prague? She goes to in the Prague. end, I believe. Yeah. So yeah. so he he eventually shows up in Prague, and I believe they they have a relationship. Oh, that must be fun for her. Um, you know, oh, well, you get what you, you get what you paid for there. Anyway, um, I thought the mural was a cool touch. Now, can, before we end, let's kind of go back. And I'm curious as to your your favorite moments or some of the things that surprised you or that you enjoyed the most. I have a few. So you can speculate, you can think, but I'm going to mention mine real quick. And then if you want to throw some of yours out. Um, I would say that my favorite moments, um, and it doesn't say anything about me as a human being, hopefully, maybe it does, I don't know, um, was having sex um, with the nun in the top of the library between the shelves. I absolutely love that I got her pregnant. That was awesome. Um, and, uh, this is a real-life sort of fantasy, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it's awesome. I love the murders in the blood. I did like the searching the aqueduct in the mind. I thought those were really different environments, and it was kind of fun. And, and especially when you're underground, the, the wind and the hollowness of the sound at that point, I did take my headphones off for that. That was really cool. The other thing I really loved even though I didn't like most of the mini games in there, I thought they were kind of silly um, and I wish I could have skipped them, but you know, making cookies really anyway. Um, so I did love the spinners be though, uh, the gossipy women in the game. That was, that was a high point for me. I thought that was a lot, really cool. It was really the first interactive portion that I got to when you're listening to them gossip. And that was just, that whole scene was really cool for me of where I'm kind of peeking in the window and hearing all this stuff that I'm not supposed to hear. Um, and then of course, you know, uh, having dinner with people, I kind of enjoyed that, especially at the beginning, because I thought that was neat. I did not expect that kind of view of the dinner table and, and that kind of thing. So those are my those are my favorite moments. Um, Kiwi, what was your favorite moments in the game? You no, know, it, it 
it's kind of similar to yours. Like it happened in near the library, but it was me fetching books for Sister Illuminata and talking about the books. I, I thought, oh, yeah, I thought that, was that was really interesting. Cool. Because yeah, yeah. Because That's you the get, book, uh, you, the no, bookworm thing. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Okay, so uh, parenthesis. What was your f- uh, favorite moments? Was it uh, in the library between the shelves? What What did you like the most? <laughs> you really like the nun humping. Part. I know it was awesome. <laughs> I was like, they better let me do this. They better let me do this. Sorry, and then she slut. had to go behind the shelves. I'm like, nobody's in the damn room. Why do you have to go behind the shelves? It's like the it middle of the night. An, Why are you it hiding? Helps you get an achievement too. Yeah, okay, does it? I didn't really look at my achievements. Yeah. You and gotta sorry. go to the Pentiment OnlyFans so that you can see the nudie tracks. Oh my they god, have yes. <laughs> I'm sure they have a patch for that. Um, anyway, Francis, sorry I, I, I took some of your time, but what, what were your favorite no, moments? So so mine is, is a meta moment because I'm, I'm a weirdo who can only remember his multiplication table. Uh, it's the moment in, in, in Act 3 when you first advance time and instead of seeing the canonical hours, you see an elaborate um, clock of the, of the Rat House. And, and, and it, it indicates that well, the times have changed. The, the Yabi might be gone from testing, but it's also kind of, uh, it's, not, it, it's losing prominence with this secular power that the Rat House uh, represents. Time measuring has become more precise. We can now manage our time better, which I actually think you do. In, in Act 3, it's not just you spend, you know, the entire afternoon doing one simple thing. It's like you do perhaps two things in an afternoon because you now have a, a clock. You can look at, and, and this kind of shift in perspective and, and that, that it implies is just uh, really interesting. I thought it was a great touch. I remember that too. For me, that stood out. That was a really cool touch um, that I enjoyed as well. Very, very cool stuff. Um, Gingerino, favorite favorite moments? Um, okay, so I have a few. Uh, one of my, like, Remeron brought this up already, like uh, an example of this. The big example is like, at the end when uh, Sister Amelie's font changes to purple. And so like, I love the way they used the font with the characters. I just absolutely adored that. It was it was a way to give them such a deep character, even though there wasn't voice acting. And I was totally sold on that. And I I I wish I, I hope that that kind of thing happens more often in games or even or even books, honestly, in some cases. Like give certain characters different fonts. Like, ah, oh, that was it's a brilliant a stroke of genius. Shifts, and the fact kids. that there was animation in the in there when they were angry or, you know, the word would shake if they wanted extra yeah. emphasis oh, for man. it. And the first time I ran to, oh, I forget his name, the guy with the printing press, the first time I heard him oh, talk yeah. and it was the thukunk, I'm like, what the hell? Oh, I get it. He's a, you know, I just, I love that. Uh, and like, you could, it's fun. I'm going to go back. I want to replay the first section to see Amelie's font, if, if you can connect the dots. Um, what uh, I also liked... A particular moment in Act One where you could side with the Baron about um, Martin Luther's ninety-five theses and piss off the church. <laughs> I did that because yeah. I was all for that. I was Me like, too. "Yeah, yeah." Yep. What do you think of your Bible being used for the right reasons, you jerks? Oh, my oh man, God. I was. Uh, I was very. Well, I was like, as a as a Christian myself, I loved getting into a lot of that stuff. I also liked, even though they were used 
sometimes against you. I also liked that there was a lot of uh, biblical stuff in there. A lot of verses being quoted, but that's just a personal thing. Well, I definitely feel like there was a slant there. I do feel like, uh, I guess the best way to say it is there was a a very negative view of the church, not a negative view of God. So it's really about the organizational religion during the early modern, how churches thirsted for power, money, and dominance, and more of the humanistic part of the church and not the the godly aspect of the church even the peasants were like you know even the peasants would say um you know that's god would let us go pick mushrooms you know why would god put the mushrooms in the forest if he doesn't want us to pick them you know so oh yeah i I was on board for that the whole time i was like yeah take that dude it was it was it was great i i love that um the last thing I like, um, and this is true of pretty much every Obsidian game, is like how well I get attached to characters. But I'm a really emotional guy. Um, so my example for this, it's kind of dark, but it shows like the length to which I can get attached to the characters in the Obsidian games, especially, was uh, Ursula, the baby at the beginning. Oh, yeah. The so, one that like, pokes I... you in the foot. She's the first one yeah, to poke she... you. Yeah, first one that pokes you foot, and then you can tell her stories through the rest of the game, and I just was like, oh. And it's also, you know, I'm a new dad. I have a nine-month-old here, first-time dad, so maybe that's why it hit me. But then the guy that I watched in the Let's Play, he was telling her all the stories of old, and mm-hmm. she ends up getting burned at the stake for being a heretic, and I yep. was wrecked. I was like, no, 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 yeah, no, not Ursula. She was the it... one I had. It was, oh, and yeah. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Oh, it was, shit. I was so upset. I was like, dude, no. No, <laughs> you can't do that. I was so like, the, the, but the fact that I can get that upset about a character um, dying, it just shows that like how well they were able to portray. Even like, but I mean, like you see her as a baby and then growing up and isn't it? Ugh. Yeah, that got me. I love it when that happens in a game. Not when, not when you kill the person that you like, but just that you can get attached to the story in such a way. Rimmerand, what are your favorite moments uh, from the game? My favorite moments in any game usually is the moments that make me like feel something. And there's a lot of kind of little moments uh, in in this game, like when me trying to convince uh, the guy in the first act to accuse um, the prior and then them. And by the way, I convinced, I successfully convinced him to possibly allow Attila to keep the house in that same conversation. But in the end he chose her and she was literally strangled to death in like just such a barbaric way in front of me. It just felt like my choices uh, unfortunately mattered. Um, So that made me feel like really bad, but that was awesome to me. Um, but also like the, the, the payoff with, um, with the sisters, uh, font changing purple, uh, that was awesome to me. Uh, Martin, like figuring, finding out Martin isn't really Martin. That really made me feel like, wow, that that, that was amazing. And also, uh, in the end of act two, uh, with, um, Andreas going in to save the books, I felt so bad for Andrea, Andreas, and uh, as a, a book lover myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's, I I really thought he was dead, um, and I thought that was awesome. I didn't see that coming either. I didn't see him dying. I didn't see him coming back. You know, I, both of those were huge surprises for me as well, I will admit. I was, because it's when he came down the first time, he had a bunch of books in his hand, right? And it, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, we made it. But then he was a dumbass. He's like, no. 
I'm going to go get more. I'm like, dude, really? <laughs> Let me teach you about science, okay? Um, but anyway, he goes back up, and then, then you get the... I love that scene where they pulled away from the tree, and uh, you, you, you see the shrine is still intact, but the whole town is burning behind it. That was a really cool little <laughs> moment as well. Very, 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 very pretty. Um, did we get to everybody's favorite moments? Did did we get? Oh yeah, I can't remember. I, okay, I actually have one more. Okay, and and that's the second time that uh, that Andreas enters the labyrinth uh, in the second act. Or in the second act, when he enters the labyrinth, and he begins to talk with his 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 imaginary. Sorry. He begins to talk with the the picture of the, that he has of his wife in his head, and you just realize. Oh, he had a he had a kid, and they died. Yeah, it just hits you like a ton of bricks. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah, that I forgot about that, but that was really cool. So that that was a nice story beat, right? That was a good narrative beat right there that 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 I fell for completely, like you did. I was like, oh shit, okay. Yeah, that was cool. I, I, I liked that, that one. Um, I also think it makes you understand the him running into the library more um, after more books. I think in in Act Two, you you sort of realize, and and I think the the that um, like realization that he had a kid and he's not happy. You realize at where in what state of mind he's in, where he feels like he's he's almost lost. Like he's successful, but he he doesn't feel like a like successful in his own way if that makes sense and in the end him choosing the books it's such a pure feeling i think of of who andreas is that it felt to him like the right thing to do when he doesn't know what the right thing to do all the time is yeah good point yeah good analysis of that that's a damn ramaran look at you yeah look at you jam dude jesus okay man you're making me look bad okay no that's cool man good good observation um so let's we'll kind of wrap it up i think the way i want to end it on and i don't want to necessarily end it on a negative note but hate mail no no i know emails today um i have some (laughs) but we don't have time for that but i guess what i would say is what I said at the beginning and that, that this game kind of knew what it wanted to be. It had its own identity and it wasn't going to change for anybody. It didn't matter. And if you liked it, you liked it. And if you didn't, you didn't. And that's great. And obviously a lot of people like it. It's getting a, a lot of good in the professional media, a lot of good praise and recognition and they stuck much to their to, guns. They made yeah, the they stuck to they their guns. To exactly he had an idea he something he wanted to do and he did it and i think it's great so let's take it another step and let's say as we end this this podcast today if they were to take this uh uh game uh and to maybe make another one or release it uh 10 years from now the uh the new edition, whatever they want to call it, the HDD edition or DD3 or whatever it's going to be. Um, and uh, what would you want them to add to it to make the experience better for you or, or, or nothing if you think it's perfect? Um, what would be something that you think this game kind of needs that it, that it maybe didn't hit on the first go around, not meaning that it's bad, um, or anything like that. And I, I'll start. I have a couple of things. And these aren't gripes. Again, these are just things that I think might, uh, in the next iteration, 
be kind of cool to have. Um, and the big one for me was the journal. And I felt like I would love this game again, even if you do a different time period, I would love for you to do that, Josh, please. I, I will eat it up. Um, if, if there was a way for me to turn off certain features, let me give you an example, maybe a difficulty slider. I don't know how you would do it, but I, I would prefer not for you to tell me exactly where to look in the house. Um, the eyeballs got a little bit annoying for me. I would prefer to find it myself. And uh, it doesn't mean you take it away from other people. You don't have to reprogram everything. Just have a little checkbox. You know, I check, no, I don't want you to show me everything. I'll find it myself. Another thing I would have really liked is... I understand that you're telling me a lot of things in the journal that I discovered, and I appreciate that. I think that's really good for a certain type of gamer. Me as a gamer, I kind of like to piece things together myself. I would have liked that journal to have an area for me to either record an audio file. Well, I know you can't do that on console, but it, uh, a way for me to type in my own notes. I would prefer to make my own notes on people. Let me make my decisions instead of you kind of telling me what my interpretations of people are and what my decisions should be. Those are things I would want in Pentiment 2 or whatever is going to come next. Pentiment the re-release. Yeah. Not necessarily a more difficult game, but just allow me to do a few more things. There was, I felt like, and this maybe is wrong, but I felt like my hand was held a little too much. Um, and I was kind of being pulled in a certain direction, even though that may not have been the direction I wanted to go. That's the direction I had to go. Um, so that would be something that I would change or, or add in a new iteration of this formula. Um, Gingerino, would you is it, would you change? How would it become more than a 6.5? Oh, man. Well, I mean, again, mine was mostly an experience with a bug issue. Right. So, But, uh, well, on that note, actually, something that would be nice is like a, a fail-safe. Like if something like that does happen, hit, all right, restart this one day. Like just the morning or whatever right hit restart on that so that way if you get gated then you know the, the player has some way of getting back without starting over maybe um, like a but, story flow chart and you could go back and click at any moment where you made a decision and, and make a different decision or do yeah you know. and i understand that they didn't want saves coming to be a thing so like make it yeah. uncomfortably far in the back but like not so much that i have to start over um it's but uh any other things i would change it's funny that you sora you said you would like less hand-holding. I personally would like more hand-holding, at least at the beginning, because I I really didn't have a good sense of what my time was to be used for, and I feel like um, like I didn't even, of the four people, I didn't even investigate two of them at all, and of the two people I did investigate, I only got a little bit of information, because I completely pissed my time away. Um so, but that's again. I think that just comes to player comprehension. I'm kind of a dum dum. So no, not at all. And and I will say in in kind of what you're. This may be not exactly what you're getting at because I know you're talking mechanics probably. But I I read a lot uh, because I was really into the game and I was excited. So I went back and read a lot of information about the twelve articles about the Duke about the, the early modern period. I did a lot of personal research, not because I'm super smart and I'm a scholar, but because I was just interested in it. He got me interested. I said, oh, that's kind of cool. I want to know what that is. That helped me a lot. That helped me considerably, I feel, 
coming into the game. So maybe that would be another addition is, is it would be nice if maybe they had like a, a, a little trailer at the beginning of the game that or, or a little movie or, or a book that's flipped through that kind of tells you a little bit more about what's going on in that period that kind of places that moment in some sort of historical context for people that may not come into it knowing the what was going on between the peasants and the church. You may not know anything about Martin Luther. You know, yeah, man, I love that Martin Luther part, but that's because I know about it. So. Right. And if you don't, you're like, who, Martin who? Is this the Martin in the game? No, it's not. Um, so maybe that would help, be helpful to give a little bit of the story before, have a little prologue, or, or at least have a book that I can click on in the game that gives me that the the story to now kind of thing. Here's the story up to this point in the world. You know, I don't know. That's just me as a history buff. Yeah, yeah I mean, and that would be yeah, that'd be nice. The last the last thing that I will say, and this is actually like my strong recommendation, is for replayability purposes, um, allow there to be a new game plus so that the game recognizes you've played the game once already. You know the the story. Uh, allow the character, uh, the player, to be able to skip the sections that aren't different. So, like that first scene where a lot of it is just back and forth dialogue. There, it'd be nice if there was a button that says "Skip to next choice," so that you can you can pick and choose the scenes that you want to see play out um, that are the same. Because, like, ah, oh man, watching watching the dialogue get written up over and over for that second playthrough, I'm like, I don't want to watch a lot of this again. I already know what's going to happen. Which is the same reason I'm not going to finish my second playthrough. I'm already at the end of Act 2, or close to it. I I, I don't really think I'm going to play anymore. I have some other games I want to play. It didn't really do... get back to Grounded. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't do anything for me the second time that I thought it might. Because that's what I'm used to doing with Obsidian games, right? You're used to going back and playing them again and again and again. And this is not that type of game. And I didn't realize that. And that's my fault, not their fault. But, I, you know, it's just is not built that way. So that's just the way it goes. Rimmerin, what is your uh, your thoughts for Pentiment 2? What, what would make it that much better? Uh, I mean, I think Pentiment is a, a perfect representation of what it should be. So, like... If there would be a two, I wouldn't to be. I wouldn't want it to be like, like Pentiment Two: Thomas Strikes Back. I'd want it to be something like, like a spiritual <laughs> successor. You know what I mean? Comes back <laughs> as a Terminator. No, uh, <laughs> Disney does not own this property. So, <laughs> I'd want it to be. I'd want it to be a spiritual successor, as in the same kind of concepts. But I feel like the only thing I can say um, would be like if. This is an experimental game, right? Or this was an experimental game, uh, something very niche. So I, I have to feel like some of the developers made some decisions that were like, well, we can't do this because it's too experimental. We're already experimenting. I feel like if they do a, a part two or a spiritual successor, I'd want them to put it all on the table because they know this works. They know people want this. They know that Game Pass is a good you know, uh, vehicle for this. Like if there were any ideas that they had yeah, if there were any ideas that they had that were like, oh, we can't do this because we're already taking some sort of risk, I'd say do it because I love this one so much that I feel like I that's what I want. Yeah, while Game Pass is here, just do it. Use it to your max. I I love Game Pass before Pentiment came out, and then knowing that Game Pass allowed something like this to exist makes me yeah. love it even more. 
Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Parenthesis. What's your, what's your bonus? What's your, how could they uh, massage this game and make it even better than it is? I think that the, the only real complaints I have, uh, uh, are the only real suggestions I have for a, a re-release is that to make the, the journal easier to read, perhaps use a, a higher contrast between the, the color of the font and the paper and make it make some of the error transitions make the error transitions better traversable right now you you sometimes kind of have to scoot your your character this way or that to to hit the right uh, node to to make it happen uh, but otherwise it's incredibly well done yeah, I'm I'm on board with you there. I don't really have complaints about the game. I mean, I do have things I wish were better, but like I said, if you put it in context, we know the team was small. We know this was a passion project. We know they didn't have a whole lot of money they wanted to spend on it. And when you realize that, you can't ask. It's not fair for a gamer, I don't think, to ask some of the things that you might want to have which is why I was going with the whole Pentiment 2 thing is I think the game is fine the way it is. Obviously, uh, it's unfortunate that there are bugs for some people, but um, regardless of that, I think they, they did a fantastic job. And thank you, Josh, for doing it. I would love to see more stuff like this. Um, now that I kind of know what it is, kind of like you were saying, Gingerino, now that we kind of we've kind of birthed into it. We kind of, this uniqueness of this game, if they released another one for either another period of time in history or whatever, um, I'd be all over it. And I think it's, uh, it almost has a, I was, my wife works at a school and she's an educator and we were talking about it at the dinner table and she, I had to send her the name of it so she could share it with her history teachers and just as another way to for people to experience history, you know, it's it's, uh, you know, nothing against the, the current trend of one person standing in front of a classroom of 35 people staring straight forward with their back straight. I'm sure that's super successful, but it, with no windows half the time. Yeah, for yeah, six I'm hours sure, a day when they should I be. Mean, that's obviously that the optimal way to teach. But maybe uh, this don't get me started on this. Please. Maybe this method would be another way that we could have people experience history. Maybe, you know, I, I think I, mean, I know this is not where he's going to go with it, but um hopefully some people are watching who are in that, that educational sphere, you know, thinking in their minds, wow, this could be perfect for gamification of uh, curriculum, especially history. I mean, you really experience it. Thank you everybody for listening. We're going to wrap up our, our podcast here today. Um, we're going to allow you guys to give a shout out if you would like. Um, Gingerino, where can people find you? What have you been up to? Well, we haven't really been talking much about, AOS stuff today from Avowed or Pose Attorney, so I won't plug any of that. But if you want to follow me on Twitter at Gingerino42, um, I do make uh, content in the forms of podcasts, and I'm wanting to branch out into YouTube and stuff, so I'm in the early days of trying to do brand naming stuff. So if you want to get involved and give requests and partner with me on anything related to that, especially Obsidian S games, go do that, or just follow me because. You want to make fun of my hair, I guess? At Gingerino42 on Twitter. Oh, sweet. I'm there. I'm definitely there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Rimmerin, where, where can I find you? Or are you hiding behind a rock? 
I'm at Sir Remoran on Twitter, S-I-R, uh, Remoran. Uh, I realized uh, before this recording that the last time I tweeted was in September. So I'm not very active on these, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, if you want to see some of the sometimes I have opinions. It's okay. On like... I rarely tweet as well. I mean, I really only I tweet out just, I episodes. mostly just tweet the ridiculous things that my wife says. I God, God bless her soul. There was one time she was uh, asking me about games. She's like, hey, have you played any Bathsheba games lately? And I'm like, do you mean Bethesda? She's like, sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mostly awesome. just po- post stuff like that. She's such a sweetheart. I love her. That's really good. I like that. So, uh, Parenthesis, where can people find you? I, I will. I want to say this about Parenthesis. I'm going to embarrass him. I watched your playthrough on Twitch of uh, Sorcery 2. You played through a segment there, and I was mesmerized. I think you did a fantastic job. Um, I really enjoyed it. So how can people find your stuff? First of all, thank you, Sora. Uh, And secondly, uh, you can find me on Twitch, where I have the handle Command Objective. That is Command Objective. Very cool. And I stream, and I stream most, uh, narr- mostly narrative games. And I'll have a, a YouTube channel up shortly where I'll just post the VODs. Oh, wow. Excellent. I'm excited about that. Um, now, as far as Avowedcast, you can see us at Avowedcast on Twitter. We post our episodes there. Um, we also have a website, Avowedcast.com, where we really just post episodes. And then if you want to ask questions or send us emails... Our, our comment or if you're ever interested in maybe being a guest host with us um, you can reach us um, avowedcast at gmail.com uh, and we will try to get back to you uh, I try to respond to every email even the hate ones uh, in a nice way so um, just hope to hear from you and we're ha- we're so happy this community is growing we've we've really grown in our listenership and we appreciate you guys giving us a chance and uh, sitting around the table with us and talking games. Um, this is probably our, well, this is definitely our last podcast for 2022. Um, so that will be one, two, three years. <laughs> yeah, three years of, uh, yeah, three years of a vowed cast with no avowed. So that's okay. We're going for a record here. I think I'm going to contact Guinness about this and see if, uh, number of episodes about a game that doesn't exist and has no information about it. And we're up to like in the twenties now. So that's pretty awesome. They're doing it. We're breaking records. So yeah. So when it comes out in 2026, we'll be, we'll all be ready to go. We'll, we'll know everything we need to know um, and be good to go. All right. So thank you for listening and everybody have a happy holiday and a wonderful beginning to your new year. And we'll see you on the other side.